welcome everybody to another episode of the Mind Sculptors. I am your host, Callahan, and today we have a great show lined up for you with uh, two co hosts who haven't been here in a hot minute. But before I go to introduce my lovely guest, oh, you can already see him. Uh, joining me from the uh, great city of Quebec. The Frenchman I'm not himself. from the city of Quebec. I'm from the province of Quebec. Oh, that's right. The province of there Quebec. There is a city of Quebec. In, yeah. Um, the <laughs> Frenchman himself at Pongo. How are you doing today, Pongo? I'm well. I'm glad to be back. It's been a while, as you said. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. We've been doing MLC stuff. We've been You've been busy. and So it's good to have you back on the channel. And also joining us uh, is another sculpty boy that will be in the MLC. Uh, was talked about a little bit last week and you didn't have a chance. I saw you in uh, the comment section uh, defend, like, oh. defending yourself I last mean, week. Uh, is Mor- is Morgan, our, our friend Michael Levine. Thank you. Morgan has been ranting about that match nonstop <laughs> since the match. And, you know, it, he was ranting during the match. He ranted after the match. He ranted that night at our house. <laughs> About the match, I can't and I believe just this. Keep hearing about this it. This doesn't sound like Morgan. <laughs> uh, I believe I have a picture of him standing up with that pirate's cape. Let me see if I can find. Uh, I'll see if I can put it on the screen for our, our uh, viewers. Sorry uh, to our podcast listeners, uh, but I, I have a picture of him like standing up in that living room area, like lecturing everybody like this about oh, yeah. that um yeah don't was... kill morgan don't kill morgan it'll just win you the game <laughs> i won the game because i killed morgan so you know what Sorry. maybe i should just start uh making all my attacks at uh morgan on team turn three and then i'll start winning more on team turn three do it for the, at least it's for the possible. content yeah at least yeah, for the content for the content exactly it'll get views <laughs> Uh, well, thank you all for joining us today, and uh, also want to uh, remind you that if you do like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to uh, like this uh, video if you're on YouTube, leave a review if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, any of those things, uh, and leave a comment here on YouTube as well. Uh, a great way to support this show as well as stuff like the MLC, which I've been working on the website, is um, a little, little not inexpensive. Um, is uh, you can join our Patreon, and there's a link down there in the Discord. We've got a lot of different options uh, for what you can do, ways to support us, and some benefits for you. Uh, so check out the patreon.com slash patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description like i said uh so today we are here to ask the never-ending question is streets of new capenna the set that breaks cedh um we ask this about once every two to three months so uh Ready to do it again. So our first card. Now, I, I will we'll give a preface to this. Our monocolor sections are a lot shorter than uh, they have been in other set reviews. And part of that is because a lot of the set is revolved around 
like three color cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it being like a, a shard based mm-hmm. set. Um, so I, I believe we don't have any black cards on our list. Like, I don't think there's many, if any green cards on the list there. Oh, there's, there's a, there's one. Uh, so like there's, this will be the, the shorter part of the, of, uh, the review. So, uh, starting us off, uh, with a bang is halo fountain. And, uh, when this came out, uh, a lot of people started talking about, there's a combo specifically with what's it, what's the combo that where you can turn it into a creature and then it counts itself. Uh, I, I forget. There's a lot of ways to turn it into. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael, we were talking about this a little bit. That's what I was going to do is Michael, you, you, you talked to some of the people in the Oswald community. You've talked to some of the people who are brewing these sorts of lists. So really what is this deck? Because at first glance, right? If you were to ask me as just somebody who doesn't play those types of decks, I would look at it and go, ah, I wouldn't play that in anything. But there's a lot of stuff going on with this card. Yeah, so it's an interesting card. The The Mono White Discord got pretty excited when it came out because it said the words, you know, you win the game on it, which most white cards <laughs> don't say that either literally or figuratively. But you usually say it, you don't lose the game. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And even that's um, but, never guaranteed. It's just going right. to on the car. <laughs> um, but so the cool thing about it involves the rules about paying costs. So you can pay costs in any order. And when Hellophone is a creature, um, you can both tap and untap it for its cost, um, which means that that turns into one white make a one one, which means it's really easy to pump a lot of white mana and get to next turn cycle untap 15 tapped creatures and win the game. Mm. So there's a few different ways. I think Oswald has figured out how to do this more efficiently. And there's a few other decks that are thinking about ways in which you can do this more quickly. There's a card we'll talk about at the end today, a, a multiplayer mm-hmm. card that also can do some combos with this. So it's an interesting card. It's, an, you know, the when you have a white card that says win the game or says draw a card, people get very excited. Right. Um, right. I don't think Heliod will play it, but I think Oswald is pretty excited about it. I mean, anything they can untap Oswald with is is already like getting looked at. Right. And the fact right. that it's a potential win con is kind of a big deal. So I think it's a really interesting card. And I, I'm sure that there's some other weird combos that will arise. This is the kind of card that's just like so close to already being broken that you know they'll print something and mess it up. Like they just have to. So I, I mean, I'm cool, just cool like card. looking at this and like thinking about how this interacts in like with Magda in your deck. Like if you're in a red, white, mm-hmm. whatever X and like the combos that Magda already enables, I feel like also kind of enable this in a way. Yeah. The, the um, tricky thing is that there is a colored mana cost and all the abilities, which is definitely a smart mm-hmm. move on their part to put yeah. the colored yes. mana there. Yeah, it's uh, so otherwise it would otherwise. just be so broken. Um, oh man! But it, that's why it's it, you know it's not an insane card that's gonna destroy the format. But I I have a feeling it will get very much better with time. There's gonna be a lot of ways to make this a really messed up magic card. Yeah, I think yeah. untapping things as a cost is like overlooked in terms of how broken, like the potential brokenness yeah. of that text. 
And yeah, you know, I know like the Katilda deck is already looking at this because it's just mm-hmm. like you are can tap all your humans for mana, so now that you, it's free to untap them. Right. So it, like it ramps you. It put creatures in play which you can pump with Katilda. It's a draw engine, and then at some point, like you're very likely to have 15 creatures in play in that deck, so you can just win the game. That's well, like yeah. A, if you have you know, one creature that taps somehow for two white mana, and one creature that taps to untap an artifact. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you, you just win, you draw your deck. And, like, so, that doesn't sound that unreasonable. No, it like, doesn't. Exactly. It, it sounds exactly. viable, like, to imagine that board state. You know, maybe not with like, cards There's that definitely we something with like March but, of Machines, right? Like, turn all your artifacts into creatures and tap your Gilded Lotus. Right. And, like, all of a sudden things are going wild. So, right. there's, there's definitely ways to break this. Actually... Gilded Lotus March Machines, Hellfountain, I think, wins the game on the spot because you'll make infinite white mana and 1-1 one, one creatures, which means you can then use the last ability. So, like, there, there's there got to be, at the very least, high power decks are just going to, like, do real weird stuff. And that's fun. But there's definitely room, at least in Oswald. Oh. Yeah, that does like, just win the game because <laughs> you do just make uh, <laughs> yeah. infinite creatures and then just... Okay, I win. Top them. Yeah. And yeah, if they make the white mana to activate that last ability. You know, yeah, exactly. You so if it's Guilty Lotus here, you're all set. And at the same That's time, hilarious. you can draw, draw your whole deck if you want to do, although you don't really need to. It, so I think like there'll be, you'll see this played in, in decks. Um, I think it's going to be like Oswald and then the kind of, maybe this is a controversial claim, the weird mid-rangey decks that show up at tournaments because people really enjoy playing them that play like overly convoluted combos as their win cons now here's <laughs> one of my questions um because i know uh the katilda decks definitely play artifact hate <clears throat> and that is something where i see that being a like issue yeah. And the type because like I, I guess my like thought process is with this card and why I I think it's really good in like Oswald personally. Um and I don't know because the type of decks that are gonna wanna like play this right are gonna be green. Well, most green white decks that I know of are gonna be on some array of oof, stony silence or null rod. Yeah, you and, run into the what I call the blood pod problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is that Blood Pod's major win con was Pod, yet they were a Null Rod Oof deck, um, right. and I I always felt like that was this awful tension, and I think that people continue to play decks that have that tension. I don't like them, and even in like Heliod, I won't play Torbor Reflects because my tutors are mostly ETBs, but yeah. I know a lot of people just don't care. A lot yeah. of there's a lot of people who will play the stacks pieces and say. It's a win con when I don't draw those pieces. If I need to remove those pieces, I will. People won't remove the pieces because I have this thing on board. Like people right. justify why they do it. I don't think it's necessarily a good plan, but I, you know, people do do it. Yeah, it, that's probably my biggest criticism of it. Is I I just I think outside of Oswald, the decks that are interested in this type of effect are probably not going to be able to utilize it very easily because of the type of cards that they play already. That was an issue and I won't get too deep into this, but that was an issue when I was trying to brew Arden Thrasios 
is there was a really deep tension there where it, it like pull wants you to commit to one game plan or the other where yeah. Arden kind of wants you to play with like these artifacts, bring them in, do stuff with them, move things around and then have like some amount of like, especially in blue Arden decks of interaction to then protect or support and go along with that. Whereas the green in that deck really wants to have on the field static abilities and blue really doesn't want to have on the field static abilities. Um, so it's, it's just, it, it's been a very strange like deck to brew. And I think this card kind of falls under that, like Mm -hmm. is good. Not sure what the like space ends up looking like because of the fact of that, the decks that will go in that are not mono white are going to struggle to pull out the full value of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's fair. Dan, Nick, what were you going to say? Oh, I just said that's fair. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, next card on our list is uh, Patch Up. It is two colorless and a white sorcery uh, that says return up to three target creature cards with total mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Uh, it's definitely, obviously, Michael, it's really good for white. But Pongo, like, outside of the white decks that are obviously going to be very interested in this, uh, where, like, do you, what is your assessment of this card overall? Well, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is very similar to a black card that already exists. Mm-hmm. There's a black mm-hmm. card like this. I think it says, what, up to two creatures with CMC3? Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that card, you know, I basically didn't even know it existed until this card got printed and people started mm-hmm. making the comparison. Um, and I feel like shifting the color obviously changes the conversation a little bit. So I'm not going to absolutely write this card off, but I don't think that um, it changes it enough such that, you know, higher color decks that could have played that other card right. would now consider this card. Um, the extra creature is meaningful because conceivably if you're playing this, um, there's going to be like a lot of situations where you want to get three one drops back and that's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the conceit behind actually running it. But I'm still not sure about its home in, in any decks right now. Maybe Michael would know better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of white and white red decks will probably try to play it. I mean, it's like one of these effects that I'm happy they're printing more of. They started off really strong with like Savine's Reclamation. And yeah. then they were like, what if we go a little softer than this? Yeah. <laughs> but they're they're really going hard on like, can you get card advantage through these reanimation effects in white? Right. And, you know, how many things can you reasonably reanimate at a low cost? And I think there's a lot of these two color creature based decks that, you know, can really use a way to basically their whole field back on the board after like a toxic deluge or something and then you imagine like are there is there going to be some kind of interesting pile you can make um i don't know how you'll get them in the graveyard but mm-hmm. you can imagine like a survival of the fittest pile where you put them all in the graveyard and then you get them all back at once so i like this space i don't know if this card is going to be powerful enough to really get played um other than in the white decks and, and maybe the white red decks but it's like this is the optimal space. We already know that one white card got printed like this that is pretty much broken. 
right? Reclamation right. just like broke open intuition piles. So I, I think they're trying to play it safe, but this is the, you know, right on the border of maybe too safe. Creatures only is big difference. It's a big difference. <laughs> big difference. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't get back led <laughs> is yeah. a big difference. Well, speaking of creatures that, uh, may have a big difference uh is our first blue card on the list which is errant street artist uh it only costs one singular blue uh is a legendary uh human rogue with flash defender in haste it's a zero three and it has the activated ability where you pay a colorless and a blue and tap it and copy target spell you control that wasn't cast you may choose new targets for the copy. So this is our obligatory Kirk and Sha- Sakashima deck or card, right, Michael? Like yeah. this is yeah, the like, uh, this is going I, into Kirk and Sakashima. Yeah, I yeah, think I Ken's into it. It's like it's a weird card. Like I'm trying. Like I think they gave it Defender because they hate this idea of hasty one drops that could trigger like attack trigger things. Yeah, right? it's, it's very bizarre. Flash I find that part very like, bizarre too. Yeah, it's a it it's a rogue with defender, and it's a zero three, and and and, and has it has flash. haste. Like, like it's it's such a confusing card, but yeah. you know someone's gonna want to abuse it to copy things. Um, copying spells is really good. This is what we've learned over the last like year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll get seen play in the in the Kark Trakashima deck. I don't know what the Kark deck actually does but maybe it'll see play there um i heard that deck does things uh <laughs> but but other than that i don't know where it'll go but it's it's like a i feel like it there's a, like it does combos with volo right isn't there some combo it does with yeah with if i'm not mistaken guardian, with great guardian yeah, yeah. But, so the thing so is like, obviously you have to copy a, a copied spell right um, yeah what's interesting is that it's a spell so obviously that means you can hit things that would turn into permanence and then get a token um so yeah something with great oak guardian you're copying the clone the, the copied spell that volo would give you and then great oak guardian enters play untaps and you can then you know do that same thing over again where you're gonna go ahead and copy the copy that you made or the original yeah. copy after you made a copy um yeah sometimes things get weird with the stack when you're copying copies and whatnot but yeah you know, as long as you can make what two mana or three mana, you can kind of yeah. just make infinite Great Oak Guardians. Yeah, so it's one of those cards again that it's like it can probably become broken somehow very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it already has a shell to fit into. So, you know, when you see the Kark deck with one col- or one and two blue open, <laughs> and they cast mm-hmm. some, they they have a counter spell on the stack, and you're hoping they get a bunch of tails. Just know, who the hell knows? You're screwed. Yeah, the the issue with this in Krark Thrasio specifically, specifically, at least like my build of that deck, is that with that deck, if you get a copy of a spell, you you essentially win in, unless they can mm-hmm. counter you know one of the two yeah. copies because you're copying a creature to battlefield tutor and then you're assembling infinite mana like right on the spot typically. So copying the copy is not necessarily incredibly relevant. What's more important is things that, you know, copy the original spell or else, um, you know, give you a bit more security on that, that coin flip, um, you, you know, by either giving you an extra coin flip or whatever. Um, 
So, like, I don't know about it there, but maybe in some builds of that deck. Here, Here's my question with this card that I don't, I, I like, I feel like for it to be worth your time in Kark Sakashima, you have to have a lot, one, you have to have, like, a lot of mana open. Um, because you have to cast the spell and then win your flip and then be able to cast this and activate it. And so we're already talking like at minimum four mana and you need some amount of things to go your way. Um, and so I, I feel like Ken, forgive me, but it it feels (laughs) very much like a win more card to me. Right. Because the situations where, because like it doesn't fix the deterministic, the lack of a deterministic win for that deck at all. I think that all it does is just basically continue to, it gives you one more copy of something, which could be relevant, but you also have to have the mana open for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're now opening yourself up for the original spell to get countered. Well, I mean, so, that's like, always kind of how you're supposed to play against that deck, right? Um, right? I mean, the way that deck works is that it optimally, in most situations, wants to copy the spell and return it to its hand. Um, yeah. it, it varies depending on what the spell is. But, like, you know, sort of as a baseline, that means that you are getting your spell and you're also drawing a card. Um, right. So, like... Here, you can get your copy, get another copy, and then, like, in some situations, also return it to your hand. Uh, so that can be powerful. Um, I just, you know, I wonder if it's better than, you know, the other options that the deck currently has. Because that, yeah, that deck has a lot of cards. That's kind of my thought, is I, I don't know where it's, like, better than any of the other cards that the deck is already playing. And I think... I think the reason people are looking at this and like going, oh, this is good, is because it just, it says copy target spell you control that wasn't cast, and we immediately think Krark, but I don't know that it's actually that good, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It's Is um, it solving problems that the deck has? I don't think so. Yeah, and that's so kind of yeah, my... That. In, I think that deck desperately needs to figure out a way to present a deterministic win to be able to be like a like to go into these like all right get ready ian you're gonna cringe to go into (laughs) these tedh environments and Mm -hmm. like put up reasonable results Um, I, i just don't see that happening i think that the strength of the deck is the engine and all the cards you're playing that eventually have to become deterministic, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, but, playing but cards this is, just okay, to have a deterministic this is win the thing, makes though, the deck less powerful. It never, ever, at any point, is deterministic. No. It gets extremely likely, but that is not the same as is deterministic. And that well, is something that I think is very important to... Hold on. Because it it, it does, if, at some point, get become deterministic if you're just doing the quark sakashima thing playing rituals and like you know playing cards over and over again then sure you know we can waffle on you know whether or not that eventually like gets deterministic or like converges or whatever but like 
eventually at some point you're going to draw into your deck put like breach on the stack and start like brain freezing people to death right or you're going to start but, like, yeah, but that's like well, that's kind of my point is that it's like the actual only deterministic thing in the deck is the breach and so my my point is is that in order for that deck to really like the the issue it needs to solve is how do we win these Kirk triggers with a card that can deterministically in some way win the game where we don't have to get Underworld Breach and we can lean into what our deck does even more, if that makes sense. And I, I think that is like ultimately the problem. And I, I don't think that, that's going to that exist. I, yeah, and I don't <laughs> think it will exist, but I think that is a barrier to that deck being like, like, like obviously it's a really good deck, but I think like there are going to be rulings where like I know Ken wanted to get like shortcut rulings that are similar to like Gitrog's rulings uh, for shortcutting Kark triggers. And the issue is, is you literally cannot shortcut yeah. Kark triggers. And so that's like sort of the issue is until you can until wizards print something that fixes that issue it's going to continue to be like a total nightmare for every to and judge uh that organizes cedh events um and this card doesn't fix it no, no this, this card, card doesn't, doesn't fix it. that issue nope. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly uh next card on our list does uh fix a lot of things for a lot of decks including lavinia and uh it is a deck that are a card that I uh, feel like it's not Chrom, it's Chrom at home. It's Ledger Shredder. Uh, it is a 1-3 uh, bird advisor that costs a colorless and a blue uh, that has flying. And whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, Ledger, Sh Ledger Shredder, man, that's kind of hard to say, uh, connives. So you draw a card, then discard a card. Uh, that is the one of the new set mechanics. Uh, if you discarded a non-land card, put a plus one, plus one card on this creature. So Michael, I know, or, or excuse me, Pongo, I know I'm kind of like joking about this being Chrom at home because like there's a very direct comparison, right? right. With the trigger to Chrom. But this is actually a, a very different card that has a lot of power that i don't think a lot of people are paying attention to um yeah just in time for american tax season we've got the bird advisor <laughs> telling us that what you should do is destroy the evidence um <laughs> so yeah it's a great card um i think that like you do probably want to be playing this alongside timna um in most situations mm -hmm. Or else you're playing it in a deck that is just really, really hungry for, you know, whatever card advantage it can get. And it's kind of low Stares card quality. Lavinia. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> um, but but like, like Timna Malcolm, this is an insane card. Yeah, right? this is Timna Malcolm for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful alongside Timna. You know, would you play this in just like your classic, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll use Najil as an example. Um I'm not convinced that like the looting effect is necessarily what Najila, for example, would want. But mm -hmm. you know, you put this in like Thrasios Timna. Um, you know, now it's like drawing cards, like hard drawing cards because of Timna, and it's also getting the sort of slow gradual value. Um, you know, if you're playing 
Thrasios Timna, like Razakats, like a reanimator style deck, then you're actually mm-hmm. getting value off of the, the discard part, which is huge. Yeah. You know, Timna Krom. The, the fact that it grows <laughs> is actually a huge deal. The fact that this it grows thing is could actually good. get fairly big, fairly fast. And now you have, you know, the thing that could be close to the size of a Sarah Ascendant. And right. that is important in these. And is also where, drawing you cards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like these weird stalls before someone ad nauses, if you can just start taking their life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's a big deal. So I think that the counter makes this card just, it pushes it to be like, yes, this is a very good card. Connive is a bananas mechanic, in my opinion. Like, it's a stupid mechanic. I It is so powerful. The fact... It's like looting. When I, it's looting plus. It's it's mega looting, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it's, it, like, yeah it's like it's <laughs> like the, the the mega looting. You know, you've heard and, of morph, was, and you've heard of mega morph, but when when uh, I first saw Kanive, I was just like, oh, you draw a card and you do it X times or whatever, because uh, you know that's what they're calling it the set. And then I saw the second part attached to the reminder text and I was like wait this is stupid why is this a thing um I think it's because they don't like the idea that it could do nothing like if you're empty handed you just draw and discard yeah so they want to attack on something so you'll always get some value which is probably unnecessary like they did this with explore too right like they like the idea of creatures that have these triggers like always get some value out of it and this one might be a little too much I don't know that connive is too much I think like I think this card, especially in, like, outside of EDH, is, like, fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Krom in this get, like, considerably worse when you're in a 1v1 format. Um, this, I think... I, I think, like, adding that extra value on... Like, I think, like, Explore needed to be the way it was for it to be worth your time. Yeah. Um, but... I could talk about Ixalan all day. I have lots of opinion. Maybe we'll do like a, that was one of the sets when uh, I, w- I was playing a lot of standard and stuff during Ixalan. So maybe we'll do a retrospective of Ixalan sometime and all of that stuff. But next card on our list is, I, I hate the way they named this card because I don't know. It, it's going to sound so weird. Whenever you cast this card is an offer you can't refuse. It is one singular blue counter target non-creature spell. Its controller creates two treasure tokens. Now, Michael, there's been a lot of discussion around this card. I've seen some people say it's better than Swan Song, which I don't know that I agree with for what it's worth. But I've also seen people like Ian who think it's trash and bad. You shouldn't play it. Where do you fall on it? What do you what do you think about this card? I, I think it's about as good as Swan Song. I think okay. you know the hit all non creatures is a pretty big deal. And I think two treasures is a lot, but it's not a lot when it counters the consultation or the tainted mm-hmm. pact. It's not a lot when it can it counters the reanimation spell or the the breach. So it's it's a pretty powerful effect at a cheap cost and the the thing that you have to pay giving someone some mana like it's not the biggest deal when you stop them with it it's going to feel really bad to use it early on right it's going to and that's the weird tension 
it's costed cheaply so you can cast it early on without having to keep a lot of mana up. But if you do it, they are now ramped on their next turn. But and but, that makes it even more flavorful though, right? Is it an offer yeah. you can't refuse for both people involved in the offer? Yeah. Like exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they're obviously again, Krok Shakashima is gonna do stupid stuff with this card where they're right. countering their own spells. And and actually, you know, I play Belter and Modern. We're gonna play it too, and we're also gonna counter some of our own spells. There's whole piles in Belter where you win. Uh, I think think it's hilarious that in Commander you play these like staxy, grindy, still combo decks, but they're really grindy combo decks. And then in Modern, you're like a whole different person. And it's like, well, well, surely like Michael plays like Death and Taxes or something, right? No, No, you play fucking Belcher. (laughs) Belcher and 8-Wack, yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like there's really cool, there's really cool stuff you can do with it in Belcher. So I think it's a really interesting card. It's a cool design. It, it Maybe it actually could have been one treasure, to be honest. But I think they wanted it to be mana positive. They wanted right. them to get more mana back than you were paying. And I, I think that that makes sense. Um, treasures, I just think they underestimate how powerful treasures are. Yeah, It's giving someone two Lotus Petals. Yep. A card that had to be restricted in Vintage. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you have to restrict it because... You know, when you construct your deck around it, it's much more powerful, right? right? As opposed to when yeah, you happen yeah. to get two because of your opponent's but, counter. But what spell. CDH deck isn't constructed around fast mana? Uh, for sure, like, for sure. 100%. Every every deck can. Use I don't the think mana I would ex- ever play this. Uh, in, in excuse you, Mike. Uh, Charles's Heliod deck that famously top forward without a soul. Ring. No, no, no. <laughs> but this one makes this one makes colored mana, so he can right. use it much more. <laughs> okay, properly. okay, okay. Um, so Pongo, I look at this card, and on uh, in my opinion, I look at this and I go, I think this is. If I was going to slot it into a deck, I put it in over like a spell pierce, or I put it in or like over a negate, or, or negate, yeah. yeah. Um, it 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 fits into just adding to the suite of one mana interaction that right. you have. Um, I mean, what is your thoughts on this? Because I know there this this card has been pretty polarizing. I've seen some people think it's the greatest thing since sight spread, and then right. I've seen other people who think that it's like it's milk toast. Yeah, um, I, I'm somewhere in between. I don't think it's as good as Swan Song, actually. Um and I, I think it's not as good that. as Swan Song for the reason, Michael, that you mentioned, which is that um, what does this gain over Swan Song? Mainly the ability to hit artifacts, right? Um, mm. And so, what artifact and card, planeswalkers and planeswalkers, which is we're going to mention one here soon that is relevant, which is relevant yeah. but not like by my estimation, not so relevant. It's um, not so relevant. Yeah, it, it, it can. If you look at the it format, can target as a, whole, a Narset, right? So if you look at the format <laughs> as a whole, not incredibly relevant. Um, but the main upside of this over Swan Song is that it can counter artifacts. And I think that, you know, if you look at artifact win conditions and sort of like wh- what they are, and, and if you, mainly if you look at artifacts as they are in the format, um, the majority of them are stacks pieces. Like, you know, the things that you would want to counter early that are artifacts. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is at its worst when it's countering stacks pieces um, compared to a Swan Song. Uh, so... The upside of this over Swan Song, I would say, amplifies its weakest um, use case um, in in many situations. Where, for example, if I wanted to counter something like a like a Torpor Orb, um, 
you know, giving the stacks deck or the, the deck playing Torpor or whatever two treasures after that, that lets them, you know, theoretically maybe play two stacks pieces on their following turn uh, could be really, really quite rough. Um, that being said, they have the least card advantage and they're usually like, if we're talking about a deck that plays Null Rod, they're not really set up to use the treasures as profitably. Sure. If, mm-hmm. if they are playing Null Rod and Null Rod is in play, then this becomes really stupid. And, and well, like, maybe if you're playing the Null Rod deck. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. So yeah. there are situations where this so is better. Good. But I, I do think that the 2-2 in general is negligible enough in a lot of situations yeah. as, as an upside. People say that until it draws cards off Timna. Yeah. And then it becomes very yeah. non-negligible, right? Like, how many times have people drawn off swans? Like, it's it's a thing. So. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that is where I think it's like... I think you're mentioning of kind of where I land on it. I, I do think it's worse than Swan Song because I do think the relative value generally speaking within cedh of a 2-2 swan is lower than uh, two treasures in well specifically within the way that you uh, contextualized i thought was really good of that is lower than two lotus petals Mm -hmm. and i think that's where i look at that and i go i think this is definitely worse in but i don't think it's like miles worse right yeah like i think it's like the the trade-off of okay so you're ramping them a little bit but i can hit a wider range of targets and this is a little bit better than spell pierce because i they can't just like oh yeah i pay the two and move on right and so there is like a level of this where it is better than i would say most one mana uh, counterspell options, but I don't know that I would put this over Swan Song. Um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of... Brain Freeze, Breach. You can counter the other copies of your Brain Freeze right? so that you can make it <laughs> super mana efficient and pay for the next Brain Freeze. So you can actually go off without an LED. But here's... Well... <laughs> You're netting I think one mana, if, right? I think yeah. you're realistically, if you're that feels super win more to me because, like, I feel like if you're at that point, you're already in a winning position. If you're in a position where you're countering your own brain for yeah, so because that you can it, replay well, it, it, it feels means like you have an extra blue there. mana, so all you need is an extra right. color, uh, colorless mana for the, the next brain freeze, right? And the like, likelihood of you brain freezing yourself into something that solves that problem for you is like absurdly high it's high but usually like you would never do it if you didn't have the led the grinding whatever whatever the grinding station like now you can just go you know if you have one say you have the breach so your next spell makes two you can counter both of them from your graveyard with with the offer so that's paying four mana, making four treasures, and now you your storm is five. So now you're like definitely going off, and you can do it again. Like you you don't have to worry about not hitting because you deterministically will hit. It, it can you help can with the low this. resource breaches um, early yeah. on. Yeah, um, but and you know, I think as long as you have like four, like if you have three blue one colors, I think it's almost determined you'll be able to do it deterministically to win, and that's kind of a big deal. Or if you have, uh, well, yeah, well, three blue, um, yeah, and, I, I and guess you do, you pretty much need to, 
or, or two blue, one colorless, right? Because you're casting yeah, you, Brain Freeze, you getting a copy, there. countering one of the copies. You're going to have fewer cards in your graveyard, but you're going to have two treasures, so you can recast Brain Freeze, go again, and, and hopefully yeah. at that point you're hitting, you know, something that lets you go mana positive. I don't know. That that feels like a bit niche. Um, yeah. Ultimately, you know, with this card, um, th- there are going to be situations, I think, later on like later game when like if you're playing against like you know tim necrom for example you know they have a grip full of cards you know you're trying to counter like a payoff and you give them two treasures and they can kind of just play another payoff after that um Mm -hmm. so it's going to feel bad in those situations i think um it's going to feel bad in the situations where you have to counter something early and you can't immediately convert into a win and you accelerate the opponent an opponent in that situation um it's going to feel a little bad in certain def- like offensive applications um, where you know you're trying to defend your win condition with it and mm-hmm. theoretically you counter their counter spell they get two mana and you've just unlocked them to cast more counter spells um, mm-hmm. so th- those are going to be situations where it feels bad um, it's going to feel I think pretty good when you're countering other people's big payoffs um, yeah. And they haven't the, been the sculpting thing... so early on. It's one mana interaction. And then obviously there's the use cases for like for combo potential, which I think, you know, Ian I was downplaying them, but I actually think that uh, you know, to Michael's point and and also, you know, if you're looking at the context of certain decks that are maybe like less all in on Nas, such that they're not playing quite the same ritual density, um, getting mm-hmm. to that one blue, that one colored mana can be a lot easier. But in many situations, yeah. those decks do need to get to like a second colored mana. Um, so that can be useful in those situations. I have goldfish to that already in certain decks as being a relevant line. <laughs> usual. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, not not just that deck, also Kenrith, because I play five color decks. But um, yeah. but no, you know, it, it, it certainly can come up. Um, one of the, the the places that I do think it's really good, and I think I'd like to see more decks constructed in this way, actually. And I know this is probably going to sound really like, you know, almost like, like it's going to feel a little bit like nepotism, but hang with me. Um, <laughs> like, so like, I, I know I talk a lot about Arden Crom on this channel, and I'm probably going to talk about it even more in a moment, but like the type of control deck it is, is it uses rule of law. And I've talked about this before is it uses rule of law, very similarly to how control decks use to fair three fairy in one V one formats is it does uses rule of law to back up its counter spells Mm -hmm. and basically ensure they get through. And I think this in that, like in those style decks, which I think definitely need to, be more prevalent um that this deck card gets so much better within that context um where you're under a rule of law you counter something they can't cast another spell anyway sure you've given them two mana but you're also playing a high interaction deck so mm-hmm. you're very likely to be able to deal with it and the fact that you've now given a high interaction deck, a pretty hard counter spell at one mana means that you're going to have more resources that you have available 
to dedicate to other things that are going to be coming out. And so like those sorts of control decks, uh, I think this is very strong in, um, but that's kind of my two cents on it is I, I think that this is really good in rule of law control decks where rule of law can back it up and sort of yep. make it give you some sort of protection in a way of the offer of what you're giving them is a little bit more one-sided to you in that regard, if that makes sense. Um, So in the flavor text of this card, it says Elspeth wanted answers. Xander needed a spy and they crossed path. Their, their paths were destined to cross. So they, they crossed in, uh, I don't know if this is part of the lore, but I think she had to go into witness protection, uh, which believe it or not, uh, is our next card here. Um, (laughs) I, 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 this is what I do. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this is this is a very well costed version of this effect. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited about this card. It's the first of this effect that I've been like, this is genuinely really good. Um, is witness protection? It costs one blue. It is an enchantment aura. You enchant a creature, and enchanted creature loses all abilities and is a green and white citizen creature with base power and toughness one one. Named legitimate business person. The 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 thing that comes to mind, I, I don't know why, when it says legitimate business person, is the thing from South Park where it was like, um, like uh what is it? Uh the the principal, PC principal. It made me think of that and like strong woman for some reason. <laughs> Because it's I, I was a legitimate business person, Bojack, Bojack Horseman, <laughs> right. and uh, the the three kids in a in a trench coat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he, he goes to his job at the business factory. <laughs> so one of the things that I do like about this card, I'm going to talk about this a little bit at the beginning, just because I have a lot of thoughts about this card. Is I I really like it in Arden decks. Everybody's shocked. I brought up Arden. Um, but the reason being is especially because I believe those decks should be all playing Sigarda's aid so that because you probably want to be on some form of rule of law, uh, Sigarda's aid gives you more game actions that you're able to take. Um, and this being an aura uh, is, you know, especially in a deck that probably is going to have Sigarda's aid in it and is probably going to have it out most of the games that it plays because it definitely I've definitely like immediately been like, okay, I need cigar to aid. Um, this becomes instant speed, like answers to big problems. And, uh, you know, even outside of that in a low color blue deck, I don't know, say like a Lavinia, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, Lavinia. You, you're able to deal with the Croms. You're able to deal with the Najilas and the Kenriths from just running over you because of the fact that you are able to, for a pretty, like, like two mana is reasonably costed. This is aggressively costed. And mm-hmm. I think that is what makes it feel like, for me, where I go, okay, this is a include, it's one mana. I feel comfortable committing one mana to this card. And I think that kind of pushes it up over the edge. 
Pongo, I, I, I know you have thoughts about this card because I can see, I can, I can look in your eyes and see into your soul, just the, you be like making fun of Lavinia and making fun of Arden. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts of witness protection? That was some serious projection right there. Uh, <laughs> um, Listen, it's I play with you guys every 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 Sunday, so I, I hear you the, hear it the, all. all of any of the art, and you know, yeah. Um, no, I I mean I agree with everything that's been said so far. I think that this is a really cool card, very powerful. Um, you know, I like that it's that it's blue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can pitch it to Force of Will. Helps your blue card counts if you wanted it an extra. <laughs> Uh, you know, sort of removal slot. Um, you know, for one less mana over something like Kenrith's Transformation, you're not getting a card drop, but like, you know, one or mana. Dark Steel Mutation. Yeah, well, I mean, Dark Steel Mutation is, I would say, kind of the worst option of the bunch, but obviously, yeah. if you're in low colors, you, you can play it. Um, it being that it doesn't draw a card. Uh, although, you know, that being said, a 3 3 is actually a very, very relevant body and a 0 1 indestructible, not incredibly relevant. It's hard um, to chump block away. So yeah, exactly. Commander. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, I, I value uh, efficiency and I value the, yep. you know, the replacement uh, card all highly. Um, so, you know, I think that this is a perfectly fine card. Um, you know, if you were looking for more single target removal, you could play this. Uh, I'm personally not especially interested in more single target removal, not after we got... Uh, you know, the March of Swirling Mist and stuff like that. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, if you're playing like a slower deck, then probably you would want the more permanent answer. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just, these days I'm not playing a, a ton, a ton of those decks. And so, um, you know, this, this doesn't really fit into I'm over here the wheelhouse of decks that I like sleeved up decks well, that yeah, are so. all just like, man, can't wait. I think it's, um, I think it's a good card in the right place, but uh, currently yeah. I'm just not playing decks where I'm uh, you know clamoring to to include it. But I could see myself playing it in other decks. What do you think, Michael? Any any thoughts on witness protection here on I, legitimate business person? I mean, <laughs> I I love the the loses ability effects, and I like yeah. the like the targeted ones. So I think it's a really cool card. I I would like. You know, auras just feel so bad sometimes because it's so easy for, you know, the effect just go away. To fall like, off. Why not yeah. just remove the creature? The times where you don't want to just remove the creature, like you don't want to pongify it, is when it's a commander. And the, the one problem with these kinds of cards is that they can, you now can't attack them with anything that's, you know, non-flying. Because they're just going to block and recast their commander. Or- so there is... You put a sort of hearth and home on it, and it's pro that card now. Isn't it hearth and home? Oh yeah, it's white green. That's true. You're, you're pro white green. Yeah. So like, I I understand why your Arvin <laughs> decks are super excited, but I I'm always disappointed. Like the what we said about Darkstone mutation. Darkstone mutation costs a card, and like they can later you know nature's claim it away and, or Bosage you it. That's like a or big strike it. against a lot of these mm-hmm. yeah. aura effects. Um, you know? The indestructible, making it indestructible though, is or, or like the one that makes it a coward and it can't block. Like those effects are actually good because they can't just easily pitch away the mm-hmm. creature. This one doesn't have that protection. Right. It's just super efficient, and I do like it. But I, I have a feeling, and if I was playing blue decks that weren't Arden decks, I'd probably be doing like rapid hybridization 
I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, first, like when I was trying to build Ovar, Orvar for MLC, yeah. I don't think this would have made the the cut. Um, but it's it's, it's interesting. It's a good card. Like, it's the effect I want to see at one mana. With with it's interesting because with Arden, the ability to move it around is makes kinda it much better. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and. That's one of the things, but like I've I've said this before, where even in Arden, I don't play stuff like Darksteel Mutation, um, because of exactly what you said is auras tend to fall off, uh, because people want to you know get them off, so they'll do something with their commander that puts it in your graveyard, and this being one mana. I'm okay with losing a one mana spell that turns something off, you know, yeah. in the moment versus two mana to turn that off. Expect in and it sounds crazy to say that, but when you're playing a hard control deck like that, literally yeah. every single mana matters. Yeah, so yeah. like you like you literally sit there and you're just like, okay, can I can I afford to yeah. interact here? Um or do I, mean, I, I used to play to... Detainment Spell in Heliod. That's yeah. one white aura that you lose the activated abilities, and then you have one plus one white to move it around. And I liked it because it shut off a mana dork at the beginning of the game. Later on, I moved it on to Gila or Sisse or whatever bullshit creature is is now out. Um, and I think that the being able to move it around is a huge deal because you don't yeah. lose out from playing it early because you can put it on the bigger threat later. I think yeah. that that's like something Arden can take advantage of with this one. Absolutely. Where you can you can play it as a stone rain on a mana dork if you need to, right? Um, and then move it later. Uh, so now moving over into the red uh, cards, we've got the goodest boy. Um, pretty sure this is going into Winota. Is oh, yeah. old hound? It is. I wish a, I could play it at MLC. I wish. Hey, it's I wish it's in the college right now. It needs one <laughs> year in college to have MLC eligibility. Uh, <laughs> um, at least it's got to have one year in college. It's like uh, it's like Air Bud, the card, right? Yeah, yeah really. really yeah, Bud. really. Um, it costs one red. It's a one-one with first strike and menace, which is bananas. Um, yeah, we're just giving one drops two keywords. First strike now. and mana. I had to process <laughs> and, that and, just yeah. now. And you can sacrifice it for a treasure. It's kind of it's, it's, it's yeah, a like, lot. Like I'm actually surprised they didn't put vigilance on this card. Um, like in red, genuinely surprised. Well, I'm surprised they didn't make it like red white for two mana sub, because or, uh, like, like Naya's out. Like Naya is one of the. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a red white split card because that you know. Yeah. That's within the Naya thus stuff that they're, they're that they're doing, but, so, but like, white can't just like have a, a ritual, right? Like that doesn't make sense you, in white. So no, well, it wouldn't be right. It would be Boros, so it'd be fine. Um, no, anyway. if it was a hybrid <laughs> card, it would have to be a white card. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, this card uh, is bananas. It's yeah. Bananas. So this yep. this card definitely going into Winota. We talked about this a little bit, Michael, but you also expect I think Mad Farm to play. They play Blood Pet. They play Overeager Apprentice. Like they like the idea of putting cards on the board and storing them for mana and being able to sacrifice them for other things. Like that is this card, and it it gets through for Timna. Like it is summoning sick though, so you can't. It sack is summoning it the turn sick. It comes down. So I right. was looking beforehand, like how many times would that be relevant? What lines? 
there are times where you want to fill your graveyard for like a a breach and you have to do it that turn where this is definitely worse but i think the ability to put this down turn one and like timna turn two draw a card and then draw a bunch of cards until the turn you go off where now it's a mana is actually like a really big it's definitely like menace is crazy like it's definitely a generally speaking outside of those like specific breach uh situations it is generally speaking a higher ev card than like a blood pet or something like that right because blood pet most of the time you you get that you draw that card and you're like oh fuck right you know what i mean like you're never happy to see that card you draw this one and you know next turn you're hitting with timna yeah and you know jessica you could you could do the the triple on it it has to be blocked by two things (laughs) and it has first strike it has first strike we're not blocking the dog at that point you're not blocking the dog exactly so like it's actually a really interesting (laughs) card because it's going to be a draw engine in these timna decks and i think that that's super cool at winota i mean it's going to be winota triggers all day it's going to be i just realized that what this card is going to do and maybe i am putting this out into the world and so i hope people do say this is whenever it like the jessica does that and the life totals are at a point where this card is like a super problem is honey it's time to block the dog uh yeah get it it sounds like walk the dog yeah come on one laugh at my jokes goddamn one issue with it being a one one and having menace is that like it is easy to double block it if you have two creatures it is right. easy to know, right? Which like, I think specifically, Timna making that first strike very relevant in the menace situation mm-hmm. is like pretty, pretty good because it will trade up then when you when you Jessica it. If you if you, you know, Jessica, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, in a Timna Jessica deck, like you, people are want to block it because they don't want to give you the card, but now they're gonna definitely be trading, right? And that, but my question is really like, how many? T- like this is this is. Because I, I think about this regularly, right? Like, like I'm playing, like, Timna Thrasios, for, for instance. I'm playing, like, Rector Fit. Is how many times am I willing to trade my 1-1 dork or two 1-1 dorks for your singular sacrifice add one mana creature, right? Well, you'd you know be sacrificing I mean? it for that and to deny a card. Yeah, card, I mean, right? apparently people are willing to sacrifice <laughs> mana dorks for like Najeel tokens, right? So like, but I that, don't know. Like, <laughs> that just feels like a two for one that's not in your favor. Well, it's not a two for one. I guess it's a one it for one. one. It, it'll be a one for one. With Jessica, it can become now right. yeah. a two for It just doesn't one. feel like it's a trade that's in your favor. Um, I agree. And I, I mean, I don't like to block creatures with dorks. Yeah, like sacking a land to block a creature feels really, really bad. And that's yeah. what blocking the dork really is. So, and this is why we were talking about the start of playing planeswalkers. And I'll give credit to Rebel because Rebel and I had a long conversation about this as I tuned my Wilder Pile deck. Um, we were talking about planeswalkers in CDH, and the problem is that the minute you play it, everyone wants to attack it, even if you're not really that far ahead. You that's not be, true. You know, I played Mars that transcendent, and people are like, "Oh, that card's fine," and then you. Just sit it with sit there with it for three turns, and then suddenly you alt it, and people are like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and yeah. then you well, still lose good, the game. Objectively, good I didn't lose that game. Shut up. Uh, people <laughs> like to attack them, and yeah. I, in a lot of decks, feel very torn about the blocking because you can play a hate bear deck with a lot of creatures, 
and be like, I don't want to trade this hate bear to save my Karn, the great creator. Right. But mm-hmm. like, I am kind of being forced to. And because everyone feels compelled to attack the planeswalker, you're going to have to make that decision very many times, which leads you to have a lot of points where you can make a suboptimal decision that loses you the game. And like, you don't need to draw that attention to yourself yeah, just yeah. to get one extra activation. That's all you're getting, right? You're only going to get well, one extra activation. Here's where I'm going to link to Rebels, like whole 20 minute dissertation she wrote about or planeswalkers. Like, yeah. Planeswalkers for her video. <laughs> Um, if you haven't checked out that video, go check it out because she literally details all of this in that video. Um, the next card up on our list is uh, the card that is one of the uh, vies of the set. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about my my favorite character from Arcane, Vi, of course. Um, and that's Jaxus the Troublemaker. Um, it, Jaxus is... Three mana and a red is a human warrior, and it's a two three. Has an activated ability that costs a red. You tap it and discard a card. Create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control. It gains haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. You can only activate it as a sorcery. So, but it also has blitz. blitz. By by the way, blitz Um, kind of big. So you can yeah. Yeah, and it is it is important to note that Blitz is different than uh, what's the thing Ragavan has? Um, dash? Dash. It is different because instead of... Uh, going to hand. Going to hand, you sacrifice it and draw a card. I think they realize that good cards with dash are really good, and they're yeah. like, let's make this a one-time dash thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's not punish you too much so you get a card. Yeah. Well, and, and it plays with um, one of the themes, like the limited themes of sacrificing stuff, right? Yeah. So, so what do you think? Uh, obviously, you're going to have opinions about this, Bongo. Every time I, I know there were so many new warriors printed in this set. This, this set was Phoenix either pinging you in our Discord about a new warrior or pinging me in the Discord about either a new aura, equipment, or vehicle. Like, what is your your thoughts on Jaxus here? So many warriors, and yet, like, almost none of them are quite there for Nichula. <laughs> There's one, one that makes it. Well, we'll, we'll get to that one. Yeah. Um, this is, as for, you know, at least right now, not really a Najila card. Um, mainly because we don't have that many things that we're, like, particularly excited to clone. Um, and, you know, beyond that... Um, it's four mana, so like we're, I'm not like super excited just to play this for four mana and, and kind of wait a turn and then do the thing. Um, you know, th- there is a world where theoretically you can blitz this, you can like attack with it and then draw a card, and then it's like two mana. I made a warrior token and I drew a card, which is like still not good. Um, <laughs> you know, like so. Th- I-, I wondered where you were going with yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds bad. Um, I, you know, in, in that deck, the ideal situation would be like copying a Dockside Extortionist. But anyway, yeah. this is not really I think it. that's how it's going to get used, right? A lot of decks that would play this card are playing it because they're like, I'm going to copy a Dockside. Well, and I think that there's better things you can do with this card because, like, there there is combo potential with the card, right? 
there is, but like they purposely limit it by right again giving a colored cost to the activation. And in this case, maybe you have to discard a card. That really right. makes things also, a lot more difficult. Also, there's the other entire layer on this, which is you can only activate this at sorcery speed. So, like, this isn't, like, kiki-jiki, right? Where, like, this is more has more, like, openings for interaction yeah. than other creature combo decks do. Like, this is definitely a way more fragile um, sort of, like, twin-style effect. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can't even do, like, stupid stuff with it, like, attack and like, <laughs> untap it, and then, you know, activate it during combat, activate Najila to untap it, activate it again, you know, like, you know, with Dockside yeah. Extortionist, and, and then take combats equal to the number of cards in hand, just because of that Sorcery Speed Rider. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you're... You're probably trying to do combo stuff with this. You're probably trying to blitz this out so it has haste so that for three mana you're copying something and it's going to require you to have other things on the board. Um, yeah. You know, like Phyrexian Altar um, to, you know, sacrifice the copies so that you can at least get over that red mana hurdle. And then, you know, how are we putting cards in hand? Well, I suppose uh, we'll figure that part out. <coughs> or else we're copying yeah. something... That once we have a, a copy lot of, of that, things. yeah. Once we have a copy <laughs> well, of that, we're I, fine. In, but to 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 its credit, um, it's a good Goto card. Is if you're doing the Phyrexian Altar sort of thing, when those creatures that you copy with it die, so if you sack them to Phyrexian Altar, you do draw a card. So it does you do refill draw. your That's hand. True. So yeah. it 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 can have some potential if you have a creature out that I don't know what mono red would do that um well i mean like kiki jiki type combos right so, i guess there there's oh uh, like uh zealous conscripts yeah i guess would be the card um is, untap it yeah it'll untap it and then you can do it again so you can draw uh, your whole deck and so yeah so you yeah. can draw your deck so there is a combo it. there uh it's just it's in number one it's in mono red number two it can only work at sorcery speed yeah. Um, and I think those are two. Yes, Magda did just win, like uh, Marchessa and Ian did pick it in the second round of the MLC draft. But let's uh, put some context here, right? Magda this can is win. not Magda. <laughs> this is not Magda. Like yeah. Magda can win at instant speed through a rule of law, right? That like the it's like people. Uh, there's there's a lot to be said about like Koibita's even said like on record that like I got a lot of like wins out of people not knowing how the deck works. But even when people know how the deck works, I think Sick Robot said this when we were talking about it, is it just takes one person to like have a slight lapse of judgment. And then the mm -hmm. deck is just like because the deck all it does is just put itself in a position to win. Right. This can't do that. And so yeah. It being a sorcery activation, if this was an instant speed activation, this is this. I, I honestly think this would be fine. It would be better. Um, I do feel like a lot of the combos you would be still like led toward doing even at instant speed uh, would either mm -hmm. require an additional piece in play or still have yep. some kind of yeah. sorcery speed requirement, right? Of like going to right. combat or whatever. Um, so it would probably still be an issue. 
Um, mm. I mentioned before, like, Godot could theoretically play this card because, um, you know, it, it does reduce the combo requirements from 11 mana to 9 mana, um, where you play Godot and then you can blitz this and for one extra mana you can make a copy of Godot. Um, so mm -hmm. what you would do is you would first get the, not the helm, but the hammer, and then mm -hmm. the hammer yep. lets you equip the helm. Um, so, mm -hmm. so that, you know, theoretically... It is that a layer of protection for Godot, yeah. Um... You know, and, and and you know, if you if you can get to four mana, then you can play this, and then it's actually only seven mana for the Godo combo. Um, so you can kind of curve in a way if if you're kind of doing like the this turn two Godo turn three, like one of those yeah. types of curves. Um, so yeah, I mean, from that perspective, it's like not I guess that different from Panharmonicon for Godo. Um, and so maybe like the deck would consider it because of that. Uh, I haven't talked to any Goto pilots about the card, so I'm not entirely mm -hmm. sure where they're at on it. Um, you know, it's it's a very interesting design. And yeah, for sure. It's, I think, maybe one card being printed away from potentially being more broken. Uh, right now, yeah. it's sort of, again, in that space where um, uh, it, it doesn't do anything broken enough. Yeah, I, I, well, I agree. Well, moving on to a card that is broken, is broken. by design... <laughs> It's just generically good, period, end of story, uh, is the real Vi of the set, in my opinion. Uh, you mean not, the, not the next card that we're going to talk about? That, well, that, is a, <laughs> that is a Vi, but it's not the Vi. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, also, I'm pretty sure that Vi would probably uh, shoot an arrow through my face if I called her Vi possible uh, but we'll get to that yeah. any of the, the, the <laughs> lore of that character um but uh the card i'm talking about is professional face breaker it is a two colorless and a red human warrior that is a two three has fucking menace uh whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player create a treasure token uh and then as a second ability where you can sacrifice a treasure exile the top card of your library you may play that card. So, Michael, I would usually come back to you, but it's a warrior, so I have to talk to Pongo here. Uh, um, that's fair. So, Pongo, <laughs> obviously, this card is really generically good, uh, and, and I'll give you a chance here in a second to talk about Najila, but this is like a card that's very similar, uh, that, th that probably adds a lot of value to a deck like Prosper, right? Yeah. Well, it's, so it's exactly like what you said. It's a generically good card, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like, let's forget for a second that it's warrior um, because this card is playable regardless of the creature type. Um, like any red deck can play this not, card. Well, any red deck could play it. Not every red deck will play it, I think. Yeah, but I, I think that that's very yeah, true. But I think a lot of red decks are going to play it. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, to put it simply, it's mana and cards. Um, yeah. It makes mana. And it gives you cards. And that's everything we want. <laughs> like, always. Um, yeah. As far as Najila is concerned, uh, Najila loves generically good cards. Like, we just love <laughs> generically good cards. And then yeah. you make it a warrior, and we're just like, holy shit, it's the second coming of Grob. Like, <laughs> and, and it when you can't fully combo off, right, this gets you close. Yeah, oh yeah, it gets you, you close. You can do multiple combats. Yep, and it has menace, when, so that's good, Yeah. Too. Um, it gives you an extra warrior token. It's <laughs> evasive, so uh, you know blockers are less relevant. Um, 
it I will gives say, cards. impulse draw is a lot worse in decks that aren't really like it. You can't just accrue value with mm-hmm. impulse draw that well. And I think people overestimate how good impulse draw is in decks that you say aren't that trying to use this to win in one turn. You say that, but like you know, in my testing, it has been great regardless. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, will acknowledge that it is not card draw, but like the amount of times where it's just been like, okay, I have two treasures and like I have to counter the thing and it's like I sacrifice two mm-hmm. treasures and like, oh, there you go. It's a counter spell. Yeah. Let's go. You know, this game is not but, over yet. But the, that's the way you have to think about it, right? You can't just generically post combat, start cracking treasures for cards. No. Because you're going to get things like counter spells, you know, right? But you're going to feel you can use those on your turn to defend your your cards, for instance. So when you want to have like a big turn, this is great because you're going to try to use those counters anyways. But when you're not trying to have a big turn, it's better used on your opponent's turn. So you want to be a deck with counter spells and a lot of removal. It's it's almost like a one mana Urza activation. You know what I mean? Like in the sense that there's like some timing restriction in some awkwardness there. Um, but you know, one mana instead of five. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say, this is one of those cards where I like look at it for Arden Crom and I'm like, I think I play this. The problem then becomes like, what am I cutting for this? Right. And (laughs) which is like cut a land. It's fine. It makes treasures. Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) Are you been hanging around Phoenix too long? <laughs> Phoenix, listen, it just mulligan like Phoenix. You, your second seven has jeweled lotus and a mana crypt and two lands. You know what I mean? Like every game. <laughs> what are you talking about? Every game that I've ever played against you on Najila, you somehow either have a turn one or two Najila. Like literally, the amount game. of times I need to like sacrifice a Tinder Wall and like play a Chromox to make that happen is very high compared to the amount of times <laughs> that. Phoenix has a you act like that's to cast his four drop commander. <laughs> <laughs> he does he does get Prosper out very often, but it was okay. I I did play a Graft Digger's Cage uh, immediately after that, uh, so it was or no, it wasn't Graft Digger's Cage. It was Draneth uh, Magistrate. Draneth, yeah, Draneth yeah. Card. Um, but no, it, it's one of those cards where I I, I look at this in like Arden Crom. And I'm like, okay, so I definitely want to play this in this in because it fits the bill of like what you guys are describing, right? It's a reactive deck. Uh, love needs it's a mana hungry deck, and it's also a card advantage hungry deck. And so this, you know, checks both boxes. The question then becomes when I draw this, what's the window that I feel because it, where I always come down, especially with that deck is trying to evaluate the cards within the context of, okay, there's a rule of law down. Because I feel like if you're building, a, if you're playing a deck with that's built around rule of laws, you kind of need to assess your cards under the assumption that you will have a rule of law out. Um, and so my, that's where I'm not sure. Um, and I know you're that you're not going to cast multiple spells at the exile. Right. Level. And so, and it's one of those things where in my mind, I look at it and I go, okay, if I get this down before a rule of law, it's great. If I get it down after a rule of law, it's much less good because now I'm putting myself wide open to getting like, you know, one of my core pieces that are on the field bounced. 
yeah. that's kind of the weird place that I'm in. I'm it, saying this because I actually have a reasonable following of people that do watch my Just Guy Arden stuff. So I do feel inclined that I do have to mention this. Is it just say, like I don't know. The decks where it's sweetest are ones that are doing dockside loops already. Yeah. Because it basically just says if you dockside loop, you win the game. Yep. And it like mm-hmm. I was thinking about it for the deck we'll talk about a little bit later for a new commander in the set. Mm-hmm. Because there are versions of the deck where the goal is to dockside loop and now you've just win the game. GG. Um, you don't even need to loop dockside but, because like if you are at a situation where you don't need the mana, then dockside can become a card draw spell now, which is like Yeah, exactly. Messed which up. is really good. Yeah. <laughs> so ban dockside, please. Uh, yes, I hate that card. Uh, next card on the list is the third. Is the third a vibe, but isn't the vi. Um, I guess this is actually the vi because that is her name. Is Vivian Un the Hunt? Uh, I actually don't know the lore why Vivian's on the plane, but she looks rad as hell. Uh, this is a four colorless and two green planeswalker uh, that comes in at four loyalty. Has a minus one of create a four four green rhino warrior creature token. What is it with this set and just giving Najila stuff? I'm not Jesus. playing this card. Bro. Um, <laughs> I know you weren't playing this, but even like there is a like this is one of the you things could. I said that annoys the you hell out of me out of Najila is that every card that has the text warrior on it is suddenly like oh well this might be a Najila card. Uh, I want them to print like another. John- warrior tribal commander that like does it something does, more it does combo yeah. in Najila though it, it combos does. in Najila we'll like, get to that as um, sort of yeah but anyway uh it, it's uh, insert that meme I made with the John Mulaney meme where it could be an on fire it could be an on fire garbage can yeah could be a Najila card uh but this isn't an on fire garbage can trust me uh it, it's other plus one is mill five cards, then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. So those two abilities, they're pretty all right, right? Then Vivian has a plus two. You may sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. There, So... This is sort of a, not sort of, it is very much a, uh, what's it called? A birthing god or a form. But there's there's one thing that I think is really interesting about the way this was worded is you plus to it. If somebody is going to op agent you, they have to op agent you before you sack the creature. Right. And it's a may. So you plus two somebody op agent. I'm saying this for the help of the world. So you plus two it. Somebody goes, okay. I mean, if they try to do it after you put like sacrifice something, they've missed their window of opportunity. They have to do it while the activation is on the stack. Um, but so anyway, Michael, and it's stupidly the plus two. This ability should be yeah one of the minus the abilities. minus abilities. Um, this it, is an Oko mistake. This is a, we put something that starts with high loyalty and we made its best ability 
a plus. Except it's I, a guys, six drop. I, I, so. I'm, I'm st- stocking up on stuff that doesn't care that it's a stick six drop. Um, playing like, down to comp. So yeah, what are you doing? You are plus twoing. You're sacking a three drop. You're getting Philidar Guardian. You're flipping over Vivian. You're plus twoing again. Sacrifice the cat. Go get Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide brings back the cat. Blinks the Vivian. And now you do it again and get Kiki Jiki. Kiki Jiki, the Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide puts back Felidar. Felidar blinks Kiki Jiki. And there you go. And, and this is modern card. legal. Yeah, this is modern legal. And <laughs> why I say it's a combo with Najila, Najila is a three CMC creature in your command. Right. Zone. So yeah. like, this is a one card combo with any deck that has a commander that's three CMC. Yep. And is in at least Naya. That's like crazy. Um, so the deck that we'll talk about later, there are some turbo builds of that deck that are playing this because that commander is technically three CMC. Like there's, well, yeah, I mean, so that's good. that's like the deck that's playing it, right? Is Minsk. Yeah. And well, I, uh, oh, they were, I, we're talking about another one. Minsk yeah. is going to play. We're talking about another one, but also Blood Pod just doesn't need to worry about the Blood Pod part. The Pod part. The yeah. problem we used to have of playing Null Rod and playing Birthing Pod. Right. Now it's I can sack my Timna to start the combo. Yep. So now it has like a legitimate win con, which is a huge deal. Um. So like this is a crazy card. This is just a. You know, it's six mana, so I know it's, it's like a little more forgiving to make a design mistake on a six mana card. Mm-hmm. But this ability, one, should have been like minus two or minus three. So if they did Oppo Agent and you couldn't use the ability, you couldn't just do it next turn. Mm-hmm. Now, like, you, they can drop their Oppo Agent. It's going to be plus six. If it gets back to you, you do it again. And it has six loyalties, so it might get back to you. Yeah, like, but it's, it's fine for it's six mana card. cards to be like kind of stupid. You know, like it's not going to be a mistake. In, 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 the thing is, is that I will say my issue with it is specifically, you know, there's cards like this in modern that. What is this? I'm showing this to camera. Yeah, this is plain bound accomplice, right? right? Where sneak attack for, 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 for you literally just on audio only. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's a plain bound accomplice, uh, which uh, you know, for our uh, magic, uh, you know. Magic, what's it called? The stocks, friends. The, the stocks. Uh, yeah, the magic finance your, people. Yeah, your mag- magic finance people uh, might want to pick up some copies of Planebound Accomplice because uh, I hear that is part of a new combo deck that will be legal in Streets of New Capenna. Pick up your c- copies of Planebound Accomplice now. Actually, I don't sound enough like the, like, what's the guy on MSNBC? Rudy? The, like, uh, <laughs> the like mad money guy. Uh, do you know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, I don't need to be like yelling. You're also not telling uh, people to no. use our affiliate link to to do. Yeah, so. our affiliate link. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you should, by the way, if you do want to pick but, up copies of Plain Bound Accomplice or Vivian, use our affiliate link uh, to TCG Player, which is like in the that, description below. That combo is especially egregious because the card that cheats Vivian to play is what you can pot into the combo. Exactly. Like it's it's like. It's so yeah. egregious. This can and literally go off on turn three. Very yeah. consistently in modern. Yeah. And so this card probably shouldn't have been designed the way it was designed. It just probably shouldn't have. But it's a new win con. And I think a I lot think of stack are going to play it. I think, you yeah. know, even that sort of the, the modern case, we're talking about the axis of like a creature I, that you need to interact with that is summoning sick too. So like it, no 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 it it doesn't care about summoning sickness. The plane bound accomplice. It's a 
It doesn't need to the tap. It's just a red mana active to act. It's a single red mana. So, but you need it's a single four mana. mana. So to do yeah, it, so you need four mana. So to do it on yeah, turn three, it's effectively summoning. Like unless you have like somehow a lot of fast mana in modern. Thank you for banning Simeon Spirit right. Guide. Um, yeah, you have <laughs> Like that's just gonna yeah. Be a so turn one, yeah, Ragavan, exactly. turn two, you can play it for three mana, and then you yeah. don't have a red mana to activate it. So you do it on turn three. You can save right. the treasure, but the, somebody the has removed treasures, for it. right? You can stock them. Yeah, but if you stock two turns in a row, now you have two red mana. Now you can. If you have multiples possibly... of these, then on turn four you could threaten to win again. Well, that's yeah. that's kind of the yeah. thing, right? Is I think in modern, like I would stock up on these and then sell them really fast because I anticipate this card is gonna get banned. Um, yeah, but, but <laughs> consider this too, right? Um, like you're talking about a four mana combo in modern. It, turn four to do it all on the same turn um that's considered acceptable by modern design standards no it's turn and three because you go not consistently Landork, though not consistently turn three but you don't play the ragavans you kes is like thoroughly built this deck um but you play another you, dork right so you go land dork turn two this is three mana and then you just literally have to play another land okay so but you need this and a mana dork in your opening hand. So you need one yeah. of and, and then you also need the Vivian in your in your hand. Yeah, but you're in a sixty card uh, Yeah, but that's still like, you're still asking for, for three specific cards. So that's not a yeah, yeah. that's Isn't not a given such that, Armory's call is legal in that But, yeah, but then you're not the turn freeing it, so right? It's like, so and on turn right, four but it's the point is on turn it's four it's your, fair game. Like playing by an accomplice is going to end up being the getting kind of shot with the birthing pod ban in my opinion in modern not to like take us off topic mm-hmm. but i do think blamed out accomplice will probably end up getting banned because of the fact that it just does aggressively do this um where it does just aggressively put you like you can just put it out like turn after turn um and it, it's a splinter so, twin problem too where people they don't like the play pattern of you have to keep up interaction from turn right. three on or you lose while the other player can just play their spells, right? Because once you put the accomplish in play, like you can just hold up interaction, wait till next turn to do anything with it, right? Like you don't need to, you can, you can just leave it there, right? It, it's fine. You can literally you just use it. it. You can literally just set a gun on the table and then be like, okay, well, I mean, it's not as good because you can't go over the top right. the speed, but like, you basically just say, I don't need to commit to the Vivian going to play or anything. I can just put the accomplish in play and wait till next turn to untap. And if you want to remove this thing that I'm not doing anything with, that's kind of fine because eventually I just get to six mana. We're, we're talking about a world where, you know, like people are also playing like two mana, eight eights with flying, right? And, you know, like, and they're doing that on turn <laughs> four. Um, or, you know, people are playing, yeah. you know, one mana, 13, 13s, like, um, you know, and, and, and then they're also I'm holding just, up like, interactions. So it's I'm just saying I play, I play Belcher and Belcher is like a turn three deck, right. turn four deck. And, you know, you do have turn twos that are possible. Like this deck will probably find a way to have turn twos. I don't know how, but it will. Um, this is better because you don't have to do much to deck construction and, the deck kind of just builds it. itself. Right. You don't even really need the it's it it's like the twin problem in that you can just play your like grindy creature based game with interaction with hate bears, maybe, 
and then just play the Vivian without cheating it out on turn six and still. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be good, but I don't think it'll be disproportionately good compared to a lot of the other things in the format. Uh, Like, modern is very powerful, and the interaction is very powerful, too. Yeah. But I will say this, I do think, like, the, it, it does kind of skirt around the, like, force of negations and the, like, type of interaction that people generally play. Uh, because I know yeah. that a lot of people have moved off path. Um, I mean, they it's still are vulnerable on solitude, but like, yeah, but like, I'm fine with them wasting their solitude. Like, where they can't solitude the planner bound accomplished. If they do, you get your Vivian. Yeah, it's going to die again in turn, but you can still do something with your Vivian, right? Like, they mm-hmm. they've just stopped you from winning, but you've been, you've made, you made a waste card and you've incurred a ton of you made a rhino yeah. where you drew like three cards off the minus right. one or the plus one. Like yeah. you can do a bunch of stuff, and that's and I considering this is a deck that I presumably is going to be a amount of lands, an amount of dorks, and then creatures pretty much like all the way through that aren't like Eladomri's call. Um, it, like that is a lot of cards that are just going to go into your hand. Yeah, you know. So like, I in CDH, I expect you will see this in all of the Naya Plus. Yep. Yeah. Um. Hey, bear decks. Well, I think, and CDH, I think Blood Pod yeah. is like literally a deck again. This like brings Blood Pod into being a deck again. Yeah, I've thought that deck has been horrible for a really long time. Nope, not when it has a one card win con and it has black and the three mana creature it needs to put into play to make it happen is Tim. I mean, that deck has had multiple one card win conditions for some time now, right? And I, I think that the argument against Blood Pod has been <laughs> a little bit overstated. Um, but I, I do think playing Nullrod with Birthing Pod. Suck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like there was just times it couldn't win with its own one card win cards. Now that is no longer a problem. Yes. Like, I, this is. It can play all the hate it wants. No doubt. And that's such a huge big deal. for the deck. Yeah. Like, no disagreement there. Um, you know, and, and I think that, that we're going to see an uptick of Blood Pod type decks as a result of this card. Um, but you know, I, including my deck, which is better blood pod. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, I I just think that you know a lot of the arguments you know that have been made against blood pod historically have been a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, they were true until more recently, and then I don't think that people started playing blood pod again because they were true. You know, like for example, in the Hulk meta, um, mm-hmm. right? And and then. For whatever reason, it, you know, people haven't picked up the deck again. Probably because Winota kind of overshadows it with the strength yeah. with the strength of her value engine mainly. Um, yeah. But you know, this this will give the the archetype a boost for sure. If only because you know it's going to get people looking at it again, and that's usually yeah. what it takes. So one of the other interesting things about this card is this is like objectively. In Sans Blue decks, the best Arena Rector target, mm-hmm. um, 100%. Now, depending on the situation in Blue Arena Rector decks, it may still be the better option, but, like, I, I, especially in Rector Fit, right? Like, the whole idea of being able to play Arena Rector is that you can use it to get your Jace and do that like sort of thing at instant speed and like kind of be able to do all of these things. Like you don't need to be able to, uh, don't mind me. I'm just fiddling. Um, 
is like to be able to do those sorts of like things on top of other people's win attempts. And so like, I think this is about on par with Jace as the best arena rector target in like blue decks that play these sorts of arena, like a rector style decks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for, for decks, if you want to use it as your win con, you need to pack in a bunch of cards that you want. Like, does your deck want to play Kiki Jiki? Yeah. Does well, it, like... so it's tough, right? Because <laughs> yeah, what you were saying, you're, you're talking about arena rectors. So we're automatically in green white, but then you were also talking about blue decks. So we're in Bant, but then for this to be a win condition, you probably want to be in red as well. So mm-hmm. you have to yeah. be like, at least in, well, in Saw's black. So one thing that you can do with this um, in like Rector fit, right? Um, is you can use this to set up arena Rector lines. So like if you don't have out a way to get your, or not arena Rector, Academy Rector, mm-hmm. you can turn your arena Rector into an Academy Rector and then use that as, because you sacrifice... Uh, like it, you pull this in, you sacrifice your Timna, get it at Arena Rector, and then or your Spellseeker. Yeah, and then you sell, sacrifice that, and then you can like kind of begin in going about doing your win. So it does set up your win attempt or your win lines in those decks as well, but it has to be playing both Rectors in order to do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, which, again, goes back to my argument both rectors are very good. Um, and so I, I stand by everybody was like, well, you should play arena rector. Why are you playing arena rector? And I'm like, it's pretty, pretty damn good card. Uh, turns out Jace being able to win the game. People are too low on Jace. In my opinion, like people just are like, Oh, you can't play Jace. It's not very good. Just play Thoracle. Like, I'm sorry. I like having multiple ways to win the game. Me too, but one always has to be Infect every time. Gotta always <laughs> next, have a backup Infect win con. Next card on the list is a card that is the... It's not the obligatory um, Arden card, believe it or not. But it is a very exciting card. Uh, this is Luxior Giada's Gift. Um, and this is a... This is so stupid. Why is it one mana? It is one colorless mana. Because Saga um, has to be able to get it. That's I, I, why. Urza Saga can get it, and that's what just mm, drives me nuts. Um, and it has the ability, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each counter on it. Um, and it has equip Planeswalker for one and equip for three. Um, and its other equipped ability is equipped permanent isn't a Planeswalker, and is a creature in addition to its other types. Or, yes. So, there's and a couple... And the really important text, loyalty abilities can still be activated. Yeah. Which yes. is like, why isn't it a Planeswalker anymore? Now it's an unattackable Planeswalker. Right. That can... That's also getting bigger. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I do want to acknowledge <laughs> one part of this, because there we've, we've gotten so many of them recently... Because it's felt like you just sneeze and you get a new, uh, what's it called? Devoted uh, Druid. Devoted Druid combo, um, which is and they reprinted Devoted Druid 
in the I'm Commander so series. glad that they did the that magic so that, that card doesn't spike. Are, are in so I will bad. say, I did just buy a single Devoted Druid, not even to use with this, because I just like the card. And I bought it when it was like $6, and I was like, this is ridiculous. It's a $6 common. And then, of course, they reprinted. Excuse you. But, I bought my Devoted Druid. Uh, when it was my my first set of devoted druids, I should say, was uh, right when collected company, uh, right when uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, the Zero of company. Remedies mm-hmm. got printed, that one, yeah. and that card jumped up to like twelve dollars. Yeah, and I bought mine at eleven. For what it's worth, it was before like the not a real reprint either. Like it's yeah, so you don't have to feel too bad, Michael. Like it's not going to impact the price. Oh, and also the original printing is aesthetically much more right. So it's okay. I actually like the new printing more, but I do. I I do prefer the new. That's why I sold my uh my uh ones from I've what's that set called Shadowmore. Yeah, Shadowmore, whatever. Um, and uh, got into Ultimate Masters ones because I like those ones more. Anyway. Tell um, us down in the so comments does below which one them. you prefer. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Engage. Um, but this does combo with that. I think that is important to note because of the fact that, um, like I, like we said, we've seen a lot of people doing... Uh, I, I want to bring this up because I've seen this a lot in the Arden community of people putting Swift Reconfiguration onto Devoted Druid. While there is a Null Rod in play, and this kind of goes back to your frustration, Michael, of people playing these abilities that anti-synergies, you know, conflict yeah. with each other. Non-both. This yeah. keeps it a creature, and Arden can still free attach it. So you can still make infinite mana and get to play your Collector Roof and get to play your Null Rod. And, and- Stoneforge tutors it. It, like, exactly. It's yep. just, it's easier to tutor. It's like, oh. it's, it is so much better than Swift Reconfiguration as a combo with Devoted Druid. It's insane. Uh, but anyhow, so there's that. But then there's also the application Pongo um, where uh, we've been seeing a lot of people talk about this card within the context of. Tevish. Yeah, so you mean right. I don't get to play this card in the MLC is is what you're getting at, right, Callahan? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> it is in co- like I said, it needs to go through a year of college before it has draft uh, eligibility. Yeah. Oh my god, Tevish commander damage. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So Tevish gets huge, unbelievably huge, super quickly. Um and you know, and can no longer be with. attacked. Well, so hard to deal with, but Tevish is actually hard to deal with already because Tevish makes yeah, blockers makes so ones. well. So actually, I think Tevish might get easier to deal with after you equip this because now creature removal hits it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but like when you're swinging with your 10-10 Tevish, right. people better get that removal fast. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he <laughs> kills very quickly. Um, and I think that that is probably... You know, worth maybe the risk of your Tevish getting Gilda Draked. I don't know. We'll, we'll have I mean, to see. Tevish Kadama, this, it's like you're already going to be able to fit the devoted Druid combo in there. So, mm-hmm. like, I guess, but you know, the infinite I think mana in that is where this is really good, right? You want the infinite mana like, combo, incidentally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of like the only real reason why I would find it compelling in, in Tevish Thrasios, because just having a big Tevish. I don't think is enough again because like mm-hmm. you do run the risk of him getting hit by more types of removal now, <laughs> um, yeah. him getting gilded draked now, which is like 
right pretty devastating um or but but if you can also equip it to a devoted druid and make infinite mana for your thrasios then that's yeah. pretty nice um so the issue i have with it is like in arden thrasios does it fix the like bant uh like like tension between what arden wants to do and what thrasios wants to do that that's is, an existing like, tension even in in sultai because the the yeah. sultai decks you know, I, I think that if you're playing Thrasios X, um, Thrasios plus Draw Engine, basically, you pretty much want to be playing Collector Oof because Thrasios mm-hmm. really pushes you towards playing a sort of more late game value strategy um, because he's just totally ineffective early on. So you really mm-hmm. want to be playing the Collector Oofs to extend the game. Um, mm-hmm. And... So, you know, now suddenly having an equipment in that shell is a little bit awkward. So it's yep. cool to theory craft about this card and like think about mm-hmm. all the applications. Whether or not it ends up being better than like existing options is questionable. That being I said, for Arden, thing it seems that, good because yeah. you don't have that tension. Uh you still do have like the weird like bant tension of like do we play onboard pieces or do we play stuff in our hand? Or it, it's just like that weird, like I feel like Bant is just like a weird place to play um, in general. Like it just is the, I feel like there's some natural tension between what blue white as a color pairing wants to do and what green white wants to do as a color pairing. Um and especially with a deck like Arden, Arden decks tend to be very white centric. So you're basically you're you like green or you have to decide is blue my support color here or is green my support color here. And green is a horrible support color. Um, so like it's it's awkward because it forces you into playing. It kind of like like. It tells you you're either playing blue with very limited green or you're going green and the blue is here to like full-blown green-white creatures and then you have some blue here to back up that stuff. Is I've, I've talked about this on Twitter too. Is just like Arden Thrasios is just such an awkward-ass deck. <laughs> um, anyway. Next card now on for the list. fun cards. The yeah, fun now cards. for the fun yeah. cards. Three color cards. Um, Cor- Cormella Glamour Thief. I feel like I'm about to. St- <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it is Grixis good stuff again. It's Grixis good stuff. It's a uh, four mana uh, or four CMC Grixis. It's costs the same way as Kess. Uh, it's a two four with haste. It has the ability, uh, activated ability uh, that costs one to tap, and you add a blue, black, and red, and you can only spend this mana on instants and sorcery spells. Um, And when it dies, return up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So, Michael, uh, we've talked about this a little bit beforehand. This is a pretty, like it's going to end up running into the same issues that Kess runs into ultimately, right? Um, yeah, like you can play it as a value Grixis commander because it's mm-hmm. ramping you. It also gets back things from the graveyard so that you can, you know, do your thing. I'm, I'm sure there's a way you're going to double 
Tainted Pact or something to get Oracle. Um, the interesting thing, at least, is that there are combos, like this combos with Twin Flame to make infinite mm-hmm. blue and black mana, um, and there's probably a way to capitalize on that. Um, there's other cards that have not been printed yet, but have been spoiled, that it also combos with. I know, you know, we have opinions about talking about these cards, but it's <laughs> on right. half, obviously. Yeah. It combos with... Um, is it better than the other Grixis options? I don't know, but it's the kind of card that has enough things it does that I'm sure you will see it in pods. Right. It's not as good as Inala, but it does things. And it does a thing that, you know, is kind of the Inala thing. And people right. like that. Like, gr- and you get to play Grixis. Grixis Turbo like. Nals plus one card win condition is an existing shell. Whether it's Inala or just like Malcolm Vile. Like, it's kind of a known quantity. Um, so, you know, we can add this to the Grixis character select screen, I guess. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, probably it's not quite as good as a couple of the other options, but it's there. You know, it's it's there. It's, yeah, it's going it, through it its idle animation, things. waiting for you to pick it. And maybe someone picks it. I, and and, and I've, I I said this pre, pre-show when we were talking about some of the other commanders is, like, I do think that there is room in our format for like these sorts of commanders to still be playable and still be worth your time. I mean, hell, I play Grease Fang. <laughs> like, I I am all for like playing. Like, you don't have to play just Kess or Rog Silas or Malcolm Vile. Like, you can play these things. It's just like I look at this and I'm like, the issues I already have with like the Grixis commanders just kind of get amplified with this card where I'm just like, this runs into all the same issues that Kess runs into, but doesn't really have the same advantages of Kess, um, but does have a unique advantage that Kess doesn't have uh, with its being sort of a pseudo mana dork. So it's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure people will play it. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Like people play, people thought that eleven in Mike was going to be like the second coming of Christ, and then it turned out that that deck was fine. It's um, not bad. It's good. Yeah, I, I like, like it's, it. It's perfectly fine. Um, yeah. But people saw like the the eleven card, uh, and were just like, "Oh, this card is so good! Oh my gosh!" And it like ended up being like fine. Yeah, every um, time I've okay. played against that deck, eleven never gets cast. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's That's... Mike that gets cast if I see something. Yeah. Uh, next card on our list is the new best World Gorger Dragon Commander, which, if you ask Mike and I, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is Evelyn the Covetous. It cost two colorless, a blue black hybrid one singular black and a black red hybrid so you can use a jeweled lotus to cast this card and two colorless mana but that is a thing you can do um you can also dark ritual into this uh, which is also important to note uh because it has flash uh and whenever evelyn or another vampire enters the battlefield under your control exile the top card of each player's library with a collection counter on it once each turn you may play a card from exile with a collection counter on it 
if it was exiled by an ability you controlled and you may spend mana as though it were any color to cast it. So it's interesting. One, it's evocative of uh, what's of, of uh, Jaleva. But two, is it seems they learned their mistake from Dothi. Uh, because I yeah. bet you money that the uh, clause of if it was ex- exiled by you was not there before they released Dothi Voidwalker. <laughs> yeah, the Dothi Wars are ridiculous. Uh, but this is, like, ultimately, Pongo, this is a World Gorger Dragon deck. Uh, probably the best one, although World Gorger Dragon, is that really where yeah. you want to be? For, for, for those uh, people who don't know how the combo would work with this, you, you actually are just going to slip Evelyn in using Flash at some point let the world gorger keep doing its thing to exile everyone's libraries and then end the loop by targeting something else. So it's not like make infinite mana. The infinite mana is actually pretty much unnecessary in this combo. It's about bringing this in play in and out of play infinitely, which is kind of nice. Um, It does solve some problems that exist. And to be honest, the cool thing about Evelyn is like before your turn where you're going to world gorger dragon, you could just flash it in exile a bunch of cards and then maybe you have a counterspell backup yeah now that you've exiled like you could even do it i kind of like it even as a grixis nos commander now that i think about it more because you just flash it in like a mini little ad nos thing like you immediately get four cards that's true and then you know it, it's actually you know outside of the world order shell still a cool card five men is a lot for that effect i mean you're yeah. definitely um, playing this but, as an ad nos deck you know, unless you yeah. want to play Reanimator, but <laughs> hey, listen, they play fucking uh, Rune Scar Demon and World Gorger Dragon in some builds of Mad Farm, where that's a Turbo Nas, right. or also supposed to be a Nas deck. So, like, they can yeah. play World Gorger Dragon. Ad Nas people are insane. No, you can one hundred percent play World Gorger Dragon. Like, if so, so yeah, I think it's interesting things, like, in that way that like it, it actually is like Juleva, but slightly better. I think because it has flash, so you don't have to cast it on your turn. You keep up your interaction, and then end of turn, you put it in play, and now you have your spells. Um, and your ability so to cast I, the spells I think is this not could... tied to combat either, which is very relevant. Yep, and it's on each turn, not just right. your turn. So you can cast all of them eventually, which right. is why it really is an actual factual draw for. Right. Um, there, there is. Uh, I guess a, a world in which you play other vampires in this deck and that triggers like you play the the one the mad farm plays the one with menace that you, you sack, sack it and discard yeah. a card to draw a card <laughs> like you could play it in this deck and it's now a one red draw four that you can rummage with like so I guess there is there's probably some cool stuff you could do with this card that card's uh, pretty relevant Border too Dragon decks are bad yeah Border Dragon decks are decks that end up with no permanents on the battlefield and crying so i will please. i will say the point you did bring up about being able to flash it in the turn before you go off yeah and then like exile things and then have some backup i will say is a point in this in this world gorger dragon decks favor yeah <laughs> yeah i, I still I don't think it, world gorger dragon is good but it's almost like you're playing you know layered consult world gorger dragon 
mm-hmm. um, at this point. And World Order Dragon is kind of compact of a combo, right? Like, you're going to be playing Breach stuff, so the End Tomb is, is still kind of useful. Um, you can have Intuition Piles with World Order Dragon that they are... You can make them. They exist. So, like, I think you could do a cool deck. Is it better than the other Grixis ones? I don't know. But it's your other... It's, an, again, another Grixis option where you layer your, your Oracle Pact with something else that is kind of interesting. Um, and I like that this one has card advantage tied onto it, so that's good. Like, if it just said Exile, the top, and nothing else, like, it would be a lot less interesting. It would mm-hmm. be an outlet, but it would be less interesting. Um, now it's kind of cool. It, it, it sets up a cool controly shell for for an Adnaz deck or something. I don't know. So there's things you can do it, do with it, and I like it. But I I won't play it. But I expect someone to. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's interesting in the sense that like theoretically you can pull off that entire combo over a couple of turns through a rule of law, and and even like lots of other types of stacks effects, but. You know, if that's what you were looking for in Grixis, you obviously just have like Malcolm Vile as well. Um, right. That yeah. kind of does that sort of similar thing. So I don't know. It's again, there it's is, another option. Sorry. I agree with that the one assessment. Thing I, the, one th- the one thing I will say about this deck that I do think is kind of interesting is Pongo, you and I have talked about this before, is ever since they printed single color partners, there's kind of been this issue in Grixis. Well, three color decks in general, right? Where... Unless your commander does something really, really special, why are you not playing... Like, like Xur's run into this problem, right? Where it's like, well, why don't you just play Malcolm Timna or Sakashima Timna, right? Like, it's just like, you can just have the Timna and, like, unless you are doing something really special um, with your one card uh, costs three of a different color commander... Uh, it's kind of hard to justify not running partners in these three color pairings. This kind of fixes that issue with this particular design of how they costed this commander. So they gave it the Grixis color identity, but you could play this with only black mana spent on it. And I do think that makes it a little bit more viable then Jaleva, then Kess, in my opinion, because of the fact that, like, it's so much easier to cast than the rest of the field. I don't think it's better than Kess. I mean, I could maybe see an argument for Jaleva in the sense that, um, like, Jaleva, the value proposition in many situations can be mm-hmm. hard to realize. But, like, the idea with Kess, you know, depending on how you build her, she can be very synergistic with kind of the generic Grixis, um, like Turbo mm-hmm. plan. The double tainted pack thing is already just so Well, that's good, that's right? kind of the just pack. like the icing on top or, or the yeah. cherry on top as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think that, you know, her real strength is just like Nas. Nas gets countered. Mm-hmm. All right, here's Kess. All right, I'm going to Nas again. Um, right. And like, you know, she's kind of just like... I, I would sort say this of is like on will or regrowth in the command zone. This is very different from that respect because you're getting only one card from each opponent's library. Um, you know what I mean? Like you're not necessarily digging that deeply. Um, well, and you're not necessarily recovering so effectively as a result if you're using her that way. 
So my my the way I look at this is the fact that um it has flash does net you some amount of card advantage. Also has a big booty, by the way. Um is a two five. Like uh Evelyn is a thick lady. Um <laughs> I, I, I guess in my mind, I look at this and I go from a single commander perspective in three colors. This is much more appealing to me to try and play because I can play stuff like Jeweled Lotus. I, it's a lot easier to cast. And especially in colors where you don't have access to mana dorks, I think that is somewhat important with your like single commander, uh, like Grixis commanders um because there is a limit of the fact that kes kind of has like a turn uh like cap put on her if that makes sense where unless you get like an insane opening hand uh you know kes can't come down on turn one where very easily you can just go land jeweled lotus dark writ crack my jeweled lotus play this sure like it's very easy to just play this on turn one uh, as compared to other single commander Grixis options, I guess is kind of my thought. That's fair uh, enough. Yeah. And the other thing it does is it does do the Dothy thing. Um, it just has to have been exiled by an ability you control. So you can accumulate them. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's kind of nice. It, it creates a second hand for you since it's your commander. There's also a so lot I, of like, decent vampires too that you can play so like yeah so i that's why i think this is like a, a fine option for someone to try to play like i think this is a deck that yeah would be very reasonable to play and and if someone brought it to cdh pod i'd be like oh cool this is gonna be interesting i would not think anything yep like yeah, negative. for sure the next card on our list is a card i would think the- negatively about this next card yeah i think very <laughs> negatively of this card um this is Maestro's Ascendancy. It costs Grixis to cast. So it's blue, black, red. Um, and it is an enchantment that says once during each of your turns, you may cast an instant sorcery spell from your graveyard by sacrificing a creature in addition to paying its other costs. If a spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Now, before we go into anything, I'm just, I just want to ask you, there was a lot of clamor saw on twitter about this card in how oh my gosh you can like double taint it packed with this that's amazing it's, you could take it packed for a thoracle, at home play your thoracle and then taint it packed sacking your thoracle and i'm just sitting there and i'm like has kes just kes is just sitting there like have i not existed for like five years like um so i'm gonna posit this question to you guys would you play Kess? Uh, so both of you can answer this. We'll start with Michael. Don't give any explanation. Just tell me yes or no. Michael, would you play Kess in the 99 of a Grixis based or uh, just a base Grixis deck or a Grixis X deck? No, I would not. Pongo, would you play Kess in the 99 of your Grixis list? Is this like circa 2019 legacy or something like <laughs> um no we're playing cdh right now would you play kess in your in your in, in the 99 no i mean uh 
I can't really imagine a, a situation. I, it's possible that I've even tried it before in the past. Like, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And it's not something um, that I've, I've clearly stuck with. So. so this is what I'm going to ask. Literally, the question, literally anytime anybody brings this card up to me. This is, I'm going to posit this question to you because this is worse Cass. Not only is it harder to tutor in the colors that you're in. Like, yes, you can, like, demonic tutor for it. Sure, whatever. But, like, why are you not just playing Kess that is a body and you don't have to sack a thing? So, like, so I will say that at least it's hard to interact with being an enchantment and not a creature. But these days, so much interaction is non-land permanent. permanent. Right. Yeah. It, like, it barely, it barely matters. So I think that, like, for this effect to be something you want, it has to be, like, two mana. Yeah. It has to be like underworld a black breach? red card for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like exactly. underworld breach exists. Yeah, like, and it doesn't exile your card. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I just Pongo, you said this earlier, and I'm going to say it for you this time. People aren't playing Yagmoth well anymore, <laughs> but are getting excited this about this card. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So I don't expect to see this card being played. I mean, this is card. This no, card is strictly better see- exiled under a Chrome Mox than a Yagmoth will. That's, That's very true. true. <laughs> we found the good application for the card. Can't can't argue with that one. <laughs> I can't argue with that one. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, anybody who plays this card, anybody who tries to argue that this card is good, I, I have a good reason for it. I'm going to ask you: Would you play Kessin your ninety nine? And unless you say yes, then take this card out of your deck and just play Underworld Breach. Thank me later. Um, play good cards. But wait, what uh, if you play it card. in Kess? And then you can cast two oh, spells God. from your graveyard oh, on your God. turn. You can sack the Kess. You can sack the Kess and replay it. You can play a third spell on your own turn. All right, we better move on before this go too far. Yeah. This, is, this is too powerful. Spe- speaking of powerful, have you ever wanted to play Grizzlebrand? CDH, do I have a card for you? God, Michael, are you trying to take my job? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> that was supposed to be my line. Uh, yes, uh, but no, that's a great segue. Uh, our next card on this list is Obnixilus the Adversary, which is bizarrely only three mana. Um, it costs one colorless, a black, and a red. Uh, comes in with three loyalty, uh, and it has Casualty X. Uh and uh, where as you cast the spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power X. When you do copy the spell, the copy becomes a token and it's not, and it does say the copy isn't legendary and has a starting loyalty X. So whatever the, the C, the CMC, the CMC of the, the power of value. The yeah, power. the power of the thing, thing was, uh, yeah, um, sure. you get, uh, that many uh, loyalty counters on the, the copy. So what activations does this have where it could come in with a bunch of counters, you might ask? Um, has a plus one where each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or devil, you gain two life. So it just has a plus one. It just, yeah. you know, it has your opponent loses two life and it gets one loyalty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, has a minus two, uh, that is create a one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, 
it deals damage to any target. All right. Tybalt so Tybal no, has a minus, that ability. That's a minus two. Um, that's that's a, a lot of loyalty two. to lose for a one-one. Yeah. yeah. Um, then it has a minus seven. And the minus seven <laughs> says target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. It's literally Gristlebrand. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so but in I Dargo mean, decks, this is insane, right? So I think this is that's the deck that plays. This Dargo with black. Whatever the the other card is, I guess there's Dargo Timna and I, I Dargo I Dargo Dar- John John Dargo. Yeah, the John Dargo. Um, you definitely you definitely play this because <laughs> it's a three mana draw seven that also leaves behind another another one randomly. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. you know, do I think you're getting up to seven again, starting at three with a plus one? Probably not. But who knows? There's something you can do with it. I'm sure. Maybe you you minus one and then you sack the creature to a culling of the week. It's minus know. two, but <sighs> minus two. Yeah, but yeah, but you're drawing seven cards and that's really good for three mana. That's probably um, the so biggest in- obstacle towards you know ulting your your other Obnixilis is the fact that you've just drawn seven cards and you should probably win at that point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think that's it's really cool in in Dargo decks, and so I think. We will see it being played in Dargo decks. I don't know what other decks are going to be able to do the casualty seven or greater thing consistently and want to. Like, if you have yeah. a seven power commander, isn't it supposed to be in play? Because probably part of it is that it has seven power. Right. Um, but it's like really cool in Dargo decks. So I'm sure Nathan is just <laughs> so happy. Nathan's yeah. smoking a big joint and just super excited. Um, one, one card that our fellow Canadian friend, uh, also a Toronto and is really excited about is Rafine scheming seer. Uh, it is a white blue in black to cast a legendary Sphinx demon with, that is a one four that has flying and ward one. Uh, whenever you attack target attacking creature connives X where X is the number of attacking creatures. And I have played against this stupid deck, and I hate it. Everything about it is miserable to play against. So, Pongo, uh, walk us through this a little bit here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it kind of does a lot of stuff uh, that you want to be doing in these colors. Um, And as we were talking about before with the connive ability, that is a very powerful ability. Um, so it just so happens, uh, you know, Morgan, aka Spleenface, uh, has sort of built this deck, um, as, you know, a, a, an Esper deck with like a lot of, you know, like Nas themes. It's got some reanimator themes to it. Actually, I'm not even sure that he's playing Nas. Um, mm-hmm. it, I feel like I might have seen it, but actually I, I that might've been that other Esper commander that we're not going to talk about tonight. And I think, I think sick <laughs> was playing that. But, um, yeah, being able to bin your fatties and then reanimate them is really good. Um, but, you know, more importantly is that Connive X, which can be, like, a mm-hmm. lot of value um, really, really quickly where you start attacking with this and, and a few small creatures and then you start drawing a lot of cards and uh, making it get very, very powerful very quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, you just, you know, dig for your, your console. Like, yeah. It's just... Oof, it's it's so it much draw so power. Um, you know, and, and essentially any deck that would be playing a sort of reanimator 
type of strategy in these colors could consider porting over to Rafine just because um, he's much more efficient, uh, being only three mana, or, or she, I'm not entirely sure uh, about Rafine's pronouns in any case. But uh, yeah. the, the, the Sphinx's ability to, to dig and to fill the graveyard is very, very powerful. And for only three mana uh, with flying and, you know, with a small amount of built-in protection is, is pretty relevant. I'm sure that ward is going to come up in many games where people are going to try to guild yeah, a Drake this what? card and they're going to fail. <laughs> exactly, and not realize. Yeah. And this is this is a deck where you're going to be playing like Ledger Shredder, right? Like this yeah, is absolutely. where that card shines mm-hmm. because not only does it increase the trigger on your commander, but it also has that trigger independently, so it synergizes with the overall theme of the deck. Like, oh, this is a cool card. A this decidedly, is going to be a deck where you're playing like main deck Malcolm. Yeah, like, it's knows? like a decidedly mid-range deck, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, because like it's just churning value. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much a deck that is like in line with the team turn three. The, the funny thing is, is we're called team turn three, yet we are known to be the grindiest med like like stream team out there. <laughs> like, and yet a lot of our games ends pretty end pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, but like our games are like notoriously grindy. Um, like we literally called the coalition north division a hell division because of how grindy the team turn three you know life is um next card on our list is a card very near and dear to our good friend dr levine's i forgot oh, to call yeah. you dr michael levine during the intro I, I, I wasn't gonna remind you um <laughs> Dr. Levine's uh, new, uh, this might be replacing Heliod in his old little heart. Oh, it, it um, has replaced Heliod. Oh, oh wow. you heard That's it huge. here first, it has, folks. It has, That's uh, the like, scoop. Uh, I was already taking, I wouldn't be honest, I was already taking Heliod apart and basically just going to, because like Armix, Timna, and Winota share about 30% cards, so my plan was just to switch between those two. Um, and I completed both Timna and Armix, Timna, and Winota, and I was like, oh, I'll play my two favorite decks that I was already switching to in the MLC, so I drafted them very aggressively. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, then they printed, and then they printed this card. Uh, we have a new name Rock for the video. Or- it's no longer, is this the set that breaks CDH? It's more, is this the set that breaks Heliod and, or you know, stops Michael from playing Heliod? <laughs> the breaks apart, breaks apart Heliod. Heliod. Yeah, it's Rock- I mean- Rocco Cabaretti Caterer, uh, which is a 3-1 elf druid that costs X- and red, green, white. Uh, when Rocco enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you may search your library for a creature card with mana value X or less, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. You literally started a Discord for this yeah, the day so this card was spoiled. Oh, yeah, right away. <laughs> I hadn't, e- I got an invite from you to this Discord before I had even seen the card get spoiled. Yeah, you, you so reminded like, me I about didn't even that I got know, one too. Yeah. <laughs> Come to think of yeah, it. Like, yeah, I didn't even know the card was was a thing. And then I get this invite to Rocco's Modern Life. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I start like reading it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I mean, Michael, talk us through talk us through talk, a bit about this deck. This card is nuts. So the first thing everyone realized is that it is a Naya food chain outlet. Once you make infinite mana, you can now cast every creature in your deck. 
So you're gonna get something. You're you're gonna go somewhere. It also just basically becomes a one card combo with a huge number of cards because it turns into the second card, whatever that second card needs to be. Um, with Food Chain, it even can get the tutor for Food Chain, so it can get Moonblessed Cleric, which is you know a wild thing that it can tutor your commander can tutor for food chain you get food chain now your commander can tutor for squee and then pitch squee to food chain to cast your commander again to to be the outlet so it is a zero card combo ultimately in terms of food chain because it both tutors for food chain tutors for the card for food chain and is the outlet the other crazy thing is it just does you know crazy stuff with dockside temer Sabretooth, where it's really easy to make infinite mana right there uh, there's like an incredible number of lines, but it also is just a value commander. You play a stacks deck, and now you can just tutor for the right stacks piece when you need it at the beginning of the game. You can, we can tutor for, you know, your win con after you've already locked everything up. And the win cons after you food chain are like all of the normal cool stacks win cons. Like, you know, you can do kiki-jiki stuff, which is what I like to do but you can do like pretty much anything. It's just such a, a, a flexible card because it's insane. Why would you put a tutor for any creature thing in the command zone? I understand like, why you and Rebel have like kind of settled on not playing uh, Vivian. What, uh, what's the three mana Vivian that I'm thinking? Vivian of the Wild? Um, one for the, more. Yeah, Vivian of the, the Wild. I understand your logic. I think you are incorrect because I think every food chain deck <laughs> should be playing Vivian of the Wilds. Yeah, I, I know that, like, we talked about this a lot in the Discord, so there's there's a lot of builds of this in the Discord. That's the other really cool thing about this card. So, like, when I saw it, I immediately was like, hey, bears. This isn't Put uncommon. Your... It's uncommon. It's they uncommon. printed this, I just, I just assumed it was like a red, or, or like a, a rare, at least, right? This yeah, isn't no, this uncommon? Is... This isn't uncommon, which doesn't even make any sense, because why would you want this in the draft environment? What like, the hell? Well, I mean, it's not but, that efficient. So the, in a dra- I mean, it's... You're going to pay six mana for this long, and a You get draft. a lot of lands. I guess. So, but, uh, so the cool thing at, in, like, the Discord is that there... I immediately was like, hey, bears. Rule of laws that are creatures that you can exile to food chain. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need... You can play all the null rod effects, because you don't really need to do dockside loops if you don't want to. You can really just lock out the game, set up your food chain win, and win with the backup of you just have, you know, your normal kiki-jiki lines or whatever to go for to win the game. I find this deck, it's just like, you know, it does what Heliod does, but better, because I get to play Null Rod effects. It gets the tutor for the Hay Bears. Like, Heliod had a huge problem with that. And, like, it just has a lot of ways to have alternative win conditions. Right now... You don't have to... In my head, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but right now in yeah. my head, as you're like talking about how this does everything Heliod does, but better, I just hear Sarah McLaughlin's in the arms of an angels with like, oh, yeah, just pictures of like Heliod well, earlier, passing across the street. Screen. Earlier, we discussed how you can actually build food chain Rocco with Heliod as the win con because already it can tutor Heliod and Ranger Captain to do to get walking ballista or i could cast the walking ballista through food chain but why would you do that 
imagine you could do all this at instant speed if you played a Vivian of the Wilds in your listen, deck. I get listen. that it gets attacked into, but you could do all these things you're talking to and more for the price of I three know. green mana or two colorless and a green. I played Shimmer. I understand. I even brought up Vernal Equinox at, in the Discord, which is obviously not a good card, but three and a green players may cast enchantments and creatures as though they had flash you can now do the whole combo at instance right but this is like the i'm gonna argue for vivian here just a little bit okay because of the fact that so your big thing was okay so somebody goes in to attack it right and you have to commit resources uh to do it well you have this beautiful thing in the command zone that also is a tutor that you can cast at instant speed so you can just set up your your vivian pass if somebody swings into it you instant speed tutor or uh cast rocco literally just get like whatever amount you want to pay for it you can block putting rocco back in the command zone and then you get to do it again yeah the, why the are you thing- not playing vivian it's so good <laughs> <laughs> the better thing is to get wirewood symbiote because rocco is an elf for no reason so you can untap one of your creatures and return Rocco to your hand so that you don't have to play the commander tax, which is like, now you get to tutor so every dumb. turn. It's so dumb. And in a stack stack, I'm very happy to tutor for my best stacks piece every but turn. But you're making my argument for decide. me. Because if you do that, you get Wirewood Symbiote put into play, you declare Rocco as the blocker, and then Walker, you bounce it to it. your hand. I know, I know. And then you replay it every I, I, turn. I will, I will yeah. probably... I will probably playtest it again, but it didn't feel... You literally made my argument for me! What are you doing, Michael? <laughs> I mean, I, it is mana-intensive as a tutor, though, right? It so is. You're not I, going I, to I, do it I, repeatedly. I do think that Vivian fixes a lot of the issue, and to be fair, Rocco also does this, but we've talked a lot about on this podcast how I think that Food Chain is kind of a flawed win con because of the rule-of-law world that we live in, and uh, yeah, I'm a rule of law deck, right? And but it also because of a lot of the facts that people can just do like Adnos stuff on top of it, and it just like doesn't matter. Whereas with Vivian fixes some of that food chain issue because yeah. of the fact that you're able to then. So if somebody tries to like do something on top of your uh like food chain, you're like okay, cast it again. Yeah, I mean, I mean and that's why it, I use Shimmer Mur and Heliod because the yeah. idea was to go on top of people while Rue of Laws and play. So, like, no one can really do anything because I'll just go on top of them. Yeah. I like that, but Shimmer Mur can't be attacked. <laughs> and that I value very highly. I will probably, I will probably play test it again. You know what? But here, here you go. Here you go, pal. Here you go, bucko, buddy. Uh, there's this little card that got spoiled recently called Luxior Giada's Gift. We talked about it. You can tutor that off an Urza Saga. Yeah. I don't think I can afford Urza Saga in my three-color deck right now, but maybe. But the cool thing, I think, is that I'm we're talking about a stacks build, right? Pongo like, looks a lot so of people, I'm just like... A lot of people are just building I mean, I, I, these I'm, I'm just like, builds, it's right? turn five. Like, when do you plan on doing all this stuff? Like, the game is over. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a, there, but the turbo builds people are talking about basically uses Vivian, the big mm-hmm. Vivian. Because Rocco is three mana value so that means it starts the pod loop and you know what you can do you can use Rocco to get rector and then kill your rector somehow and now you've won the game 
So people that's are part of the on, issue, like, though, right? Is you have to have a sock outlet. So that's that. Yeah. Like, so a lot of people are playing like crazy stuff, like uh, Thunderclap and Fury, all of these like free or one mana spells, um, so that you can just you know put the rector in play and kill it right away. Is um, it Fury sorcery speed? Yes. Yeah, but what are they going to do? They're going to. What are, they have to bounce it in response, right? That's why the don't they just do. play like Goblin Bombardment? Because that card sucks. Didn't Rebel famously use that card to get into the finals of the MLC last year? Yes, but that's a very different deck because you're playing Tana. You have dorks to, to really pitch to it that you want to. Well, in this turbo build, though, isn't it kind of the same thing? Like, well, I mean, like, yes. how many things do you have that you want to sack in this deck? That's fair. Yeah, you don't you, you don't, don't have, have that many. many. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but the turbo deck, like people are are doing a lot of work on it because they really like the idea of an I deck that can win turn two. Uh, my understanding for, is what people have done is like if people don't interact with you, this deck can threaten turn two, turn three wins really easily. Um, you're just like playing fast mana and dockside and spirit guides, and you're counting to seven or eight, and you're winning. Uh, some people are doing secret commander Godo. Yeah. Just Naya just 14 Goto, mana. Because why not? Goto. Yeah. Yeah, just 14 mana Goto. Um, there's people doing stuff with like Panarmonicon, because now you get two triggers, which means you can get both sides of a Kiki combo, for example, off of it. Um, there's just a lot of directions because there's so many combos because it's a tutor in the command zone. Yeah. Just today, I started testing a build. I was goldfishing with you run, and this is, this is some crazy ass shit my favorite combo so there was a time in the heliot history where we started playing knowledge pool rule of law i remember we stopped, we stopped playing it because people realized that if they just cast Najila or chrom or with the the five cmc white guy kenrith um, they beat the heliot deck because it uh-huh. turns out if heliot's not a creature we just die you know it's cool? the same problem. That's why we got it from that deck. Yeah, but you know what card is actually really good in this deck? Possibility Storm. Why is Possibility is really Storm fun. good in this deck? Because it's a rule of law deck, so this lock works. And the thing that we can cast in our command zone can just tutor anything. And if we get, for example, Wirewood Symbiote, now we can cast it from our hand. Let Possibility Storm put a creature in play. Oh, it's going back to the command zone. I'm going to tutor again. I'm going to bounce it with Symbiote. And so now, like, under even not a lock situation, we just incur an incredible amount of value because it really just doesn't affect us. And eventually we get to the lock. Or you can food chain through it. You cast enchantments into it until you get your food chain. Then you use Rocco to get your Squee. Squee gets cast from exile. So you can loop it through food chain and then do your Rocco thing. So you can literally food chain through a possibility storm. That's amazing. Like... I'm so pumped to get to play a Possibility Storm deck. This is going to be great. That's um, also so a food chain it, deck. and also, It's also a food chain deck, also a rule of law deck, and also yeah. a toolbox deck. Also just a kiki-jiki combo deck, because those decks are so nice to play when you're a stack deck, because it's just mm-hmm. a creature-based combo. It, like You don't have to worry about your null rods, right? This is Blood Pod without having to worry about the pod thing. Like Originally, I was like, oh, I got to include uh, Birthing Pod. Then I was like, I actually don't. Like, I don't need all this extraneous wind condition stuff. I just have a tutor in my command zone so I can pivot really easily. If you have to, you know what? You're a deck with a lot of elves. Allosaurus Shepherd is a fine wind condition for this deck. 
you have like weird combos you can do with Terror of the Peaks where you just loop Rocco to kill everyone. And like, guess what else is good? Terror of the Peaks just kills all the creatures on the board as you play more of your creatures and then you win with combat. Like the deck can pivot so well. So it's it's all the things I wanted my Heliod and Lincivi decks to do. It's like kind of what I want our mix Timna to do. You know, it's not necessarily as good as Winota. It is kind of the same thing where you're basically stacking the board and snowballing with value with Rocco or just getting to a Kiki combo. So they feel very similar in that regard. Um, I feel but, like this is almost more compelling as a turbo secret commander Winota deck than a turbo have, secret commander Recto. People have literally personally. talked about that too. Because it turns out that your elves aren't humans. Yeah, like, it, it, but that's like my thought, right? Is I, I just like looking at this card and like thinking through like the turbo lines of it. I'm like, I feel like it's way easier to set up like a turbo, like Winota. The problem uh, is like, to play with like turbo a bunch Winota, of stuff. Turbo right? Winota doesn't like have the payoff of win the game right away. Winota snowballs over turns. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting, counting to seven so that you can get to Winota probably means your dorks are tapped. Um, so, that that's a little bit of a tension. Um, and, just be patient, guys. You, just be patient. Just be patient. But, I don't know. This, this is, I think, the best commander in the set. Like, this is, like, we have a new top stacks commander. I said very controversially that Winota was the best stacks commander. You announced it in one of the MLC videos. I did. If this deck existed in the draft, I would have taken it before Winota. I think that this is deck is better than Winota. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that my current build of Hate Bears with Food Chain and, and Possibility Storm is like the best build, but like this. I mean, it just came out. There's plenty of like it took Winota so a little much while to really <laughs> like break through and like figure itself out. And again, yeah. like I said, it's got to it's got to spend a year in college, man. It's got to yeah. got to get a little bit of growth in the system. Uh, we we already know. have 120 people in the Discord, so there's like a lot of active argument. I just yeah. had to time out my first, you know, user today because people are getting a little heated about what direction is the best direction. But um, I have now purchased all the cards for the deck because this deck is my my new main deck, which is sad because I now have all of Venota and Timna Armix. And, like, I can't imagine what day I'm going to wake up and be like, I want to play that over over this deck. But maybe maybe it's because I want to reanimate uh, Razakat, you know? Maybe. Well, only or you want to draw cards off of Tim? Yeah. And destroy that's one stuff thing. with Armex. Yeah. You know? There's you know, lots of stuff, man. But Rocco can tutor for removal because creatures <laughs> have removal attached to them. It's, I think Michael has insane. a big rock. Uh, I think uh, Michael has uh, is a little rock hard for Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> it's not inaccurate, to be honest. It's not inaccurate. This is, this card's so good. So well, our we we've we've spent two and a half hours uh, talking about what is this seventeen cards? Yep, something like that. Um, which is pretty on par for us. Do you guys want to go get an 18 in? Get a get a tight 18 in now? Um, make it an even number, or do you want to stop on 17? The, the, we can talk about the Lavinia The people card. at home are like, give us one more, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for our encore, uh, 
Our last card will be the obligatory Lavinia card, um, in which, believe it or not, we haven't really talked about a whole lot recently because I have not been very, like, actively playing Lavinia for a while. Um, and I feel you know, like you still managed people- to mention Lavinia more times than I mentioned Najila tonight, though. I, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, but you also forget how many times I've mentioned Arden. Oh, that's a so. whole. That's forget about that. <laughs> forget about that. Um, this is scheming fence. It it costs a white blue. Uh, it's a human citizen, which I think is a bizarre like creature type. It is a. It sounds like such an alien like cre- creature line. Like I am a human citizen. Um. It is a 2-3. As Scheming Fence enters the battlefield, you may choose a non-land permanent. Activated abilities of the chosen permanent cannot be activated. Scheming Fence has all activated, excuse me, abilities of the chosen permanent. Except for loyalty abilities, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color color to activate those abilities. Now, it is very interesting here to point out um, there was a little bit of misunderstanding on how the card works because I did see quite a few people, including Cobblepot on Twitter, discussing this card about how when whatever the chosen card goes away, it loses the activated ability part. It does not. It maintains, it remembers that card, the way layers work and everything. It's not it's an not like linked effect. to the card. Exactly. It's not linked to the card, but that's also the downside of it. Because you can't play this proactively uh, to, like, pithing you can't needle name something, a card. right? The card has to already be out. I mean, What'd you, you say? can't name a card, but that's, like, for very obvious reasons. Because otherwise, like, it would be strictly incorrect to, like, not just name Necropotence every time. Yeah. Just, gain <laughs> just like, two mana, you know, white, blue Necropotence. Like, let's go. <laughs> like, forget right. Grizzlebrand. Like... <laughs> Right. Um, so there is that part of it. Um, but I think it's very important to like, this is a good card. Um, we've some of the like interesting things, uh, that I don't think people have, like, I think, uh, Michael has pointed this out of how in vintage you can do, uh, what is it? You time vault. Uh, yeah, through a null stuff. rod, while like you can do time vault uh, wins while a null ro- your own null rod is out because this isn't an artifact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, funnily and, enough. and there, there, there is usually these play patterns in in vault key decks where you're okay with putting your vault on the board um, so that you're more mana efficient when the turn you're going to go off because you can protect it with force of will, whatever. Um, this is wild because it just turns off your opponent's time vault if they put it out in advance and now you have a time vault um luckily it's summoning sick like this is not right, gonna bring right. vintage in my opinion because you know you can it's not like you put your time vault out then you put this out and you win immediately you actually need to put your time vault out put this out steal vaults abilities and then pass the turn and then get to your turn right. but it's gonna be played in vintage um if this is the card that gets time vault I mean, the thing is, they're not going to ban it. It's not no, going to be like worse level yeah. fucked up shit. So I, I maybe they will restrict this card if this is a problem. 
Um, you know but it's cool. Mildly interesting is you could choose to you could play this and choose like your own grim monolith, and this will untap every turn. Yeah, because it only it, has it only has abilities. the activated yep. abilities. Yeah, so you could legitimately <sighs> play this, and then like like this seems okay as a card on its own because it has a For lot value. of lot of yeah. things that it can do. Um, I mean, like at so, minimum, so it's I, kind I, of like arguably like a better thieving skydive skydiver, right? Like, yeah, because it's just two mana and you essentially steal their rock. Yeah, yeah, it it's like honestly exact like exactly the type of card Lavinia wants, um, because it's reactive. It deals with things on the board, stuff like Kenrith. You're just like okay, Kenrith, you can't just pump your team and then go over top of me. I have I can the pump Kenrith my team. now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am the Kenrith now. I am the returned king. Uh, <laughs> but it can it, turn it, off an Agila and yeah. you have an Agila even well, though you probably won't have You don't warriors. get the triggered ability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't get the triggered ability, but uh you can turn off an Agila, which is like not it's not irrelevant. And you could sure. untap your untap your warriors, whatever warriors Whenever you have, you have warriors, yeah. you know, blue yeah. white warriors. Well, you can attack, you can untap your attacking creatures, all your attacking creatures. Yeah, yeah all your it's that's all true. your attacking creatures, it's true. So, you know, yeah. for all that you know, all of that rainbow uh, mana that uh, Lavinia is able to make, uh, you know, really. You can spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. true. Okay, interesting. That yeah. okay. Never mind. You got it. You got a pseudo Nigia now. You're gonna win those oh, combats. That's actually wild. Um, yeah, but yeah. So I think no. this is a cool card. I think that it'll see play because it's gonna turn off someone's soul ring, and then you're gonna have a soul ring. Yeah, and. That's like the minimum in late game. It's gonna do something more impressive. Um, it not like being a someone decides piece, to pass the I turn. I do understand. With, I can't wait for someone to pass the turn with the Necropotence in play, and then this comes <laughs> out because it they still can't draw cards. Yep. But now they don't have a Necropotence, and you and you can draw cards. Yep. Yeah, and you can draw cards. So like, your there's gonna stuff, be but... really really cool things that you can do with it so i think yeah. there'll be blue white decks that will play it i don't know if like this kind of like tim the malcolm shell will play that kind of card but it just feels really strong yeah so i imagine i, I love could. you cobble pop but your assessment of the card was incorrect <laughs> I, I i mean i agree that it's a lot less good than people think it is but not it, it's more because the things have to be on the board and like usually mm-hmm. if necropotence is on the board things are bad for right you already right and, and so I don't think it's like broken. I think that blue white and maybe blue white and one other color decks will yeah. play it. Mm-hmm. Blue white and ban. I don't think Najila is going to play it. Right. You know, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it could end up this game played and like it could end up being surprisingly good though, right? Like I'm mm-hmm, like yeah. willing to change my mind on this card if it just turns out that like we are misevaluating it like crazy because like it is consistently just coming down as a soul ring and shutting off someone's soul ring or being better. Late yeah, game. but thieving skydiver is like not that good, right? That's yeah, but thieving skydiver's so, ceiling like, is not as high as this card. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, true. that's kind of the one thing I do. We were talking about this, I think a little bit earlier is it's like the floor of this card is like at worst, a mana crypt or mox diamond, which it's like, okay, 
it's a little overcosted, but I mean, it's like on rate with like an arcane signet, right? Um, yeah, its ceiling is insane. Well, so I think yeah. what remains to be seen with this card is how consistently you can hit that floor. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. I think that it's hard to evaluate without actually playing the card and seeing how consistent it is at right. realizing that floor. But I do, I don't know, I kind of feel like you're gonna hit the floor pretty often with this card, at least personally. I, I do think so. Yeah. And so I think it's decent. So, and that's why I think it's not as good. As, but I think that the floor is... You think the floor is not know, good enough for a card. It's not as good as people think. It, 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 in three-color decks, I think. In three, it's, yeah. Because, like, an extra arcane signet is something you'd want. But remember, this is basically, like, a come-into-play tab. Right. Arcane mm-hmm. signet. Um, right? You're not going to tab it for mana right away, which is a big difference. Um, so there's reasons why the floor isn't quite that good. But I think that... For the three color decks, like Tulane's gonna play this, obviously. Right. You can reset right? like, it, there's, Cullen, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, there's there's a lot of reason to Revy. I think Revy, yeah, could play I imagine. this for sure. Yeah, you can. It, it becomes a uh, you know a soaring, and now you can untap it a bunch of times yep. with Revy, mm-hmm. right? Like it can it become an outlet. So there's if like, you're doing a meal stuff, and somebody has like a Thrasios in yep. play, you can just flicker it with a yeah. meal. I mean, depending on what yeah, you play. So, so I think those three color, especially band decks, will will be interested in it. Um, but if you if it isn't something like that where you can turn it into an outlet or something, it's just like a good value card, and I don't know, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chulain and Derevi, oh yeah, gross. <laughs> it, definitely in those decks. Yeah, it's it's super it's super exciting. Um, I might play this in Arden Crom. Maybe again, like I said, I I have a hard time like evaluating creatures in that deck because it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, your creature has to be very impactful for it to, for you to be willing to spend a spell slot on it because it is a rule of law control list. So it's like unless you're your sorcery speed spell is you know doing something like anchor to reality where you're like slamming in a giant equipment um or a vehicle which that deck doesn't play but like katari does that's a deck i'm working on uh like to play at like that pace i i think it needs to be i i don't know if this is quite impactful enough to be worth the like spell slot under a rule but of law. Is it gonna feel good when you when you choose necro? It oh, is yeah. gonna feel oh, yeah. like <laughs> sex when yeah. you hit somebody's <laughs> necropotence with it. It's gonna be so sweet. Um but uh the other thing that's important to note with it is because it's a choose, it's not a target. So it can get around hexproof and shroud and ward and all that silly stuff. Um, yeah. which I think is very important to to note. But we've been do, going at this for two hours and 40 minutes. And uh, yeah. I think uh, we were, we were I was being uh, naive as I am going into this. And I was like, we're going to keep this at a tight two we're gonna hours. We're going to hammer this one out. Forgot. Six minutes, yeah, six and minutes then I, per car did not work out. Like and then I, I was going to. yeah, I forgot who we are. We went off the uh, rails talking about modern. <laughs> it happens. We also yeah, we also just, cut half the cards we were going to talk about before we, we started. We actually did. We cut so many cards. Um, so, but hopefully you enjoyed what we did talk about. We're going to be back next week. 
uh, talking about Commander 22, which uh, has been fully spoiled as of recording. Um, but we'll be back next week to give our full rundown on that card. Uh, any final thoughts from you guys, Michael, before uh, we we head off? Rocco, let's come to the <laughs> Discord. Come, come Rocco's through. Modern it's, Life! It is a wild card. <laughs> it is a wild deck. Like, any kind of deck you want to play, you can basically do it as long as you can fit it in Naya. Yeah. So, very sweet. Come through. Yeah. Pongo, anything you want to say before we head yeah out. i mean i think that uh, overall this is a pretty solid set um kind of continuing with uh wizards sort of i would say pace of introducing new cards into the format uh you know we're getting i would say you know one or two kind of like slam dunk type cards and then you know cards that are archetype empowering or you know create their own kind of deck um and so i think that this is a very reasonable pace to be getting new cards entering into the format to keep things fresh. So, you know, I, I applaud them on that front. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the upcoming Commander's Balder, Commander Baldur's Gate set will be a little bit more juiced, and that'll be, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have a lot to talk about then. Hey, hey, Watsi, yeah. if you haven't made this decision yet, could you please reprint Jeweled Lotus in this set? That's all I'm <laughs> and doc and dockside and, and or dockside. That's fine too. Both. Either one, preferably both. But in case you haven't thrown it, listen, your draft environment's gonna be fine if you include yeah. these cards. Okay, just do it. Help out us people who want to afford these goddamn cards, um, because it turns out that once you do that, we're gonna pay more money to you. To get the card. Uh so please reprint that card. Uh those cards. And then ban and then ban Dockside. <laughs> if you don't ban if you don't tell Sheldon to uh ban if like you don't actively sit here and tell Sheldon and crew, please ban Dockside, please ban Dockside, and they go, fine. Then don't reprint it, please. But if there's they if they don't want to ban it, then reprint that puppy into the ground, man. Uh make them Make them regret not banning that card. Uh, but anyway, that about wraps things up for us here today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Mind Sculptors. Uh, just a quick reminder, we did talk about this at the top of the show. Uh, but uh, if you want to support us over on Patreon, you can go head over there at patreon.com forward slash the Mind Sculptors. Uh, want to give a special shout out to a few of our high tier patrons. Uh, Justin, uh, there's this guy named Michael Levine who's one of our <laughs> patrons. Uh, it must be a coincidence. It can't be the same person. Yeah, um, coincidence. CZ, David Snavely, uh, Dionichis, Jason Bialik, Matt Boehner, and Senior Coupon. Thank you all for uh, supporting uh, the channel and your contributions. Those are some of our higher tier patrons. We really appreciate uh, what you do. It really helps us do things like the MLC and keep doing this show at the quality that we're able to do it at. If you want to keep up on things, including the MLC, head on over to at MLC underscore league, or you can go to ML www.mlcedh.com. Uh, we have a website. 
Uh, so you can head over there. There will be rankings. I'm working on getting all of the player profiles put on there, getting a fully functional website. Uh, but it will have more information and it will have some places to go. Uh, and we'll have like the full schedule once I get it all onto there. But the place does exist for you. So you can head over there. MLCEDH.com is where you can get all your MLC, uh, MLC, uh, league. Uh, with that, thank you for joining us so much. And from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars, I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides, like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad, let up ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between, I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I never so packed for the stack, never lied on the back.